0: Hey everyone! Welcome to the Going in Circles Podcast Network. This is the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I am your host tonight. With us right after the first break will be the Sniper, Tampa Bay Barry Spears, who is fresh off his appearance at Tampa Bay Downs for the Tampa Bay Derby. Out of Tampa Bay it was probably the the biggest news coming out of Tampa. That Brady guy coming back. Clearly, clearly a second tier to the sniper being uh, being over at Tampa doing the handicapping. He did a good job, picked three winners, including a 40 something dollar winner. Uh, we are going to talk about that race. We'll talk about all of the Triple Crown contenders or, or Derby contenders, I guess, at this point. No one's a Triple Crown contender, all Derby contenders. We put out a uh, A pretty comprehensive list on the Going in Circles Digest. You want to check that out. Uh, Going in Circles Digest at substack.com. And uh, you can follow along a little bit. Um, But we talk about a whole whole bunch of stuff. And uh, it's kind of a, a mega long special edition of the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. If you make it to the end, well, you get some sort of prize. We'll be back in just a minute. Is this the time change, Sniper? <laughs> uh, yeah. You got your time changed? Yeah. You sleep. know, life life, life is, is advanced
1: to the point now where our time changes are almost automatic, right? I mean, most things. Right? Almost. Other than the fact that you get weird about sleep i get weird about sleep anyways <laughs> not you personally but just
0: in... <laughs> they could kick time ahead six hours and and i probably wouldn't tell that much of a difference
1: <laughs> me neither <laughs> a late night It'd be an hour early or an hour late to things
0: exactly well i'm, I'm usually late anyways doesn't matter what the time changed. <laughs> that doesn't really matter I'm just a late person. I don't know why. It's a character flaw, and I've tried to change it, but it just hasn't
1: happened. (laughs) I am usually very intensely punctual. Punctuation. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need that. No commas.
0: Double commas. Too many commas. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd paid better attention when I was in English. I think you do all right. Sometimes I struggle with some of the punctuation, and
1: and I'm too proud to ask. Uh, it's natural. And whenever there's a pause, there's a comma. Whenever we finish a sentence, there's a period. Exclamation point, question mark yeah easy got that yeah that's good (laughs) rules to live by
0: (laughs) (laughs) or i can just do like i did this morning when i put out that that derby list of every horse that's earned points almost and i can just make the rules up as i go along right
1: well you wouldn't be the first
0: person to do that (laughs) You know, I don't know why sometimes I just have too much time on my hands, but I was thinking to myself after the race the other day, you know, maybe we could maybe the world could use a comprehensive list of all the horses that earn points. And uh Including the ones that like the non point earners? Even a couple of the ones that, that, that haven't earned any points, which have no chance. The Derby is, is fifty three days away. By the time you listen to this, 52 days away. You're 52 days out, and you have no points.
1: How many weeks left?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you're going to get one more. Guess what? That's not going to be enough. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you win by 50. You're not going to win. And someday I'll be wrong about that, right? There will come a time that some point, in our history of horse racing, unless horse racing just, you know, goes kaput before that, a horse is going to win with one of these ludicrously light schedules. And, <laughs> you know, people want to point at Justify, but remember Justify? Justify ran, and then he ran again, and then he ran again, and then he ran again. It, he didn't have a big two-year-old campaign. He had no two-year-old campaign, but he did run quite a bit in the lead-up. The thing that gets me is the guys that that give the horses time and more time and more time. It's like they just ignore history. And I, I just don't understand that. I mean, if your horse has got some physical issues and you need to give him time and you're trying to do whatever you can do to get him there, I get it. That's fine. No problem. Whatever. But I don't believe that that's the case in a lot of situations. I believe that guys want to train horses like they train horses for every other race, and and even the Kentucky Oaks. It, Kentucky Oaks is, is a normal race. There no, there's not a lot of 14 horse mile and an eighth races, but it's not a 20 horse mile and a quarter race, and it's just different. And uh, we talked about this I mean like 50 times, but. You know, these the you know, someone will say, "Oh, the horse won in Arkansas in the allowance race. Eh, that's nice. That's our or maiden race, or whatever it was. That's great.
1: That's awesome." Well, the horse that will eventually do it will either a have to be a freak of nature, or b have to be a freak of nature on that day,
0: <laughs> and just get lucky. Maybe somebody will come and 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 wipe out nine horses in the first turn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe somebody will just keep going straight. I saw that at Heppoduck one day. Nick Sanegato was on a horse, and the horse was kind of running off, and the horse just didn't turn. <laughs> he, he went directly over the outside. <laughs> it was it was the damnedest thing. And, of course, back then they used to, you know, show the replays. And um he just, like, didn't turn. He just went straight like a quarter horse. He just, <laughs> I don't know. It was some nondescript race, too. It was in the... And it wasn't. It wasn't in the on the inner track. It was on the outer track. But, but um, yeah. I'll never forget that horse. He just he just went straight, no turn. And Santa got it hung in there right to the end before he finally had to you know, catapult out of there. That's scary. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bobby Newman keeps asking me questions, and I'm not really sure. I have the answers. Actually, I don't have the answers. But he keeps asking me questions anyways. What? The great Bobby Newman, he's he's texting me questions. You know Bobby Newman was my my um college roommate. I know, but and you uh have we, all the
1: answers. So we
0: set up uh, pff, not all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I have the answers, they're just not the right ones
1: or the ones people uh, want to hear.
0: We um we set up a future book one year. And uh And we did pretty good. And I think it was your unbridled one. I think one person bet like two bucks on unbridled. And, <laughs> but, but everybody else everybody else went went the other way. House always wins. Pretty much. That's the truth. That's the truth. We were bad bookmakers. Like, like we, we, were, we, were, we were like, you know, the corporate bookmakers that everybody bitches about. That's us. That was us. <laughs> We'd find out, you know, a guy would like a a particular team so we'd always bump the line like two three points why that line's awful hot that's our line okay give him give me give give me give me two dimes on him (laughs) (laughs) and the bookie cards remember the bookie cards the bookie sheets oh yeah (laughs) which were the worst like itp would just like set his hair on fire if he had to play those (laughs) but that's all we had back then we didn't have a lot of stuff
1: to get them at the barbershop. shop.
0: Yeah, we we used to get we used to get the um, we used to get the lines from the USA Today until someone took them found out. A, no, there was a a one eight hundred a nine hundred line. It was like I don't know fifty cents a minute or something that would give you up to dated Vegas lines. Believe it or
1: not, this, I wonder if that still exists in some form.
0: I would imagine well I mean now everybody all the all the sports books are,
1: are online so I the, mean, best, the best were the stretch calls and results line <laughs> we did that when I was
0: at Yonkers one of my duties was getting the tape from Bullet Bob Meyer after every race and we had this little contraption it was a a recorder <laughs> and it was tied into a, the phone line and once he would bring the stretch call and it would give us I don't know maybe like the last 20 seconds of the of the race and then it would he would give the results um and then it got to the point where he would just bring us the uh the stretch call and then we would we would um say you know the results what the results were but um i think we used to make like I want to say like 15 bucks a night or something like that for that. And I, I, and I don't even remember if the bullet paid us or if someone else paid us or what, but I remember thinking back years later, a thousand people told me that they called that line. And I was thinking, man, we these guys were, they were making bank on that thing. They were giving us 15 bucks and we were, right. happy, to, we were happy to do it. They were getting over
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: I, I was like a Jamaican when I worked on the Yonkers. I, I would work every morning. <laughs> we had a lot of jobs. We we'd race every night. The nights I got off, I would I would chart races for the Sports Eye. Um, we were doing the the stretch call. We we worked at the Westchester County Fair. Uh, I mean, it was it was a lot of stuff. I used to I used to to handicap the sire stakes for Herve. Yep. Herve didn't know he didn't know who the the. the 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 uh you know the out of town horses were. You'd sometimes get named on six of them, so used to take care of me. But uh yeah, it was that was God, it's it's hard to believe how much racing used to occur in this country. I mean, it's nuts to think that like what we see now and people now think, oh there's so much racing. There's nothing this is nothing yeah, <laughs> this is like waiting. this is like a bleak schedule and and you look at california at all the jocks and now the trainers are all abandoning ship because uh, i mean they're just not able to get their horses raced and and all the jocks are, are looking for greener pastures and if you're in southern california it's not as though you can fly somewhere else and ride a couple days a week somewhere else right i mean it's so far away that it would be like a monumental pain in the ass to do that and it would be expensive um but that's one of the real problems with with these shrinking uh circuits um it's um you know I don't want to be doom and gloom all day, but, but I mean, we're just not doing a very good job of, of uh, adapting to the times. And remember last summer we, we would read off the, um, the stakes, the graded stakes winners, uh, what their prices were, mm-hmm. and how many of them were not million dollar horses, not half million dollar horses, not by hundred and fifty thousand dollar stallions that there was so many uh, really you know, relatively economical if you're i mean not economical for a guy that that makes twelve dollars an hour but economical for people that own racehorses and they were doing really well all summer i mean all summer and um you know we stopped because of you know everything got we we wound up with with too many other things to talk about but to me that was something that could have been used and by the toba or the um the jockey club or the uh the hdpas or or the thas or or someone some group that takes or even the ntra where we make a ownership um recruitment surge of some sort because if we don't have that things are just going to keep shrinking and it's it's almost strange that this is like a foreign concept that hey we need more owners but it's very 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 typical for horse racing in general to have a situation where everybody just looks at everybody else well that's not my job that's not my responsibility well you know that's not really what we do and Yet it, it affects everyone. It affects everyone in a negative fashion when we don't, um, you know, when we have a shortage, and we have a shortage, and it's, it's not getting better. And, and you know, it's not just up to the sales companies. It's not just up to trainers individually. Um, my racehorse isn't isn't working you know these are not things that are that are going to help we we need to have a full scale owner recruitment um s- grassroots type of uh surge i can't for lack of a better word and uh until we have that i just think that we're going to see things get more and more and more difficult and and that's frustrating from my standpoint that's frustrating for me Because if someone wanted to hire me to like head that project up, I would do it right. That's not like my life's goal, but I would do it because a, it needs to be done and we'll be able to see tangible results, tangible results. So it it just, it just doesn't, you know,
1: I have a question. Is there any dialogue between those two entities, meaning the tracks and the sales companies? Any dialogue other than I, I like... mean, just just I, I would think like,
0: I mean, Fazig Tipton, um, uh, runs a sale here and at at Gulfstream and and uh, Saratoga. They do a little little you know stuff with, and of course, Keeneland. You know, they they are a racetrack, um, but. You know, sales companies are for-profit businesses that uh, are focusing on the higher end, on the top end, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't probably take the lead in some way, shape, or form. Because number one, they're good at it. I mean, this is what these guys are good at, right? I mean, they they know the people, they know that the the, the um, you know the habits of of highly successful wealthy people who would be interested in, in investing in horses because this is what they deal with. Uh, but they shouldn't be the only ones because why, you know, why wouldn't the, the racetracks really is what gets me because what is a better customer for them than an owner in so many ways? Number one, they're providing a, the, the product. Number two, who owns a horse and doesn't bring people with them? Doesn't bring family, doesn't bring friends, doesn't, um, you know, really bring other people and those other people come to the racetrack and they spend money at the very least. They're going to spend money uh, on parking or admission or buying souvenirs or uh, buying hot dogs or uh, buffets or whatever. Right. It, it's not like they're going to come in and and not spend any money. They're going to spend, they're going to spend money and that's not even taken into consideration. They, they probably make some bets, but it's it's we talk about the betting side a lot right and, and it's very important that we get more people to wager and more people to bet on our races even though it's tough it's very tough and, and the list of things that's wrong is is long and we get all that but we also have to remember that we need people on the other side of the equation that are providing the horses for us to bet on. And when that becomes um critical area, which it is now, where, where it's just like we've reached this, there's just not that many horses out there. And I, I think that, you know, up and down the East Coast last year, uh, and, and this is not something that tracks, you know, run up the flagpole and say, hey, we got 500 ex- extra stalls. They don't say that, but they do. And Saratoga has stalls. Saratoga. When I started training at Saratoga, yeah, you you couldn't get a, a broom closet on the backside. <laughs> I, I, I came to Saratoga the first year I trained horses. Now, granted, I had only started in May. And even though I'd been in New York my whole life, uh, back then, first-year trainers just didn't get horses at their stalls at Saratoga. They just didn't do it. They just didn't do it. Um, didn't have much of a track record, but I had 25 live horses. I mean, I didn't bring any babies that weren't going to race. Everything I brought was live. Nowadays, <laughs> they'd, they'd build a moat around my barn to keep me from leaving. The, the horses I had in 1999 when I went to Saratoga. But you couldn't get a stall. Nowadays, it's, it's it's not a problem. It's just not a problem. And uh, I mean, that should say something, right? I mean, that's that tells a lot. <laughs> Saratoga, Saratoga. So, and, well, negative. Uh, I, what I want to do is I want to ask you about <clears throat> your uh, debut at Tampa Bay Downs. On Saturday, uh, working the in-house handicapping show uh, with our man Beamy and uh, uh, the other people up there, the guy who didn't turn his phone off, <laughs> 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 I think caused hearing loss in my left ear when when he was getting texts, <laughs> but um, uh, how, so how was the day? And I mean, come on, man, let us know how was everything?
1: It it's it was crazy driving out there, I can say from the beginning, because as soon as I got into Tampa it downpoured and I couldn't see anything on the highway. Just for my maybe you know, seven or eight minutes. Right. But it was a beast. But then the rain kinda let up and then the temperature started dropping and it was cold. It was Pegasus-esque. Yeah. It was pretty chilly out there. And in my head, I was like, well, you know, you get these big racing days once a year. You're in Florida. It doesn't really, honestly, get under 70 degrees much, but it just so happened to be on Pegasus Day and Tampa Bay Derby Day. um we had some you know technical issues with lighting because of it you know there was there was really no light and the camera they had wasn't portable so it was you know we were kind of stuck that's why you didn't see me much on camera after like the fourth or fifth race i think it was mm-hmm. um but otherwise it was it was great i mean i had a, it was a good experience i i, I was kind of um posted at the on the balcony at the the jockey's room which was pretty cool you know i got to see all the the goings-on over there um so i was basically just kind of hovering above the paddock all day and went down met a whole bunch of people that i didn't meet ever before and it was really fun i mean i had a good time i had i was you know I thought I was really prepared. I, I had some, you know, I, it was it was hard to adjust because I had never done anything like that before. Um, you know, like I was outside, so I could hear the 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 PA system. <laughs> so when I first when I first started talking, I, I kind of paused because I heard myself, and then after that, it it kind of went kind of slower and and I got better as the day went on but you know it was definitely a learning experience I mean I I thought I did okay handicapping I I hit uh, three winners one nobody saw because (laughs) we had so many problems with the with the camera in the first race I had that winner I think he paid like 15 bucks and then I had another one that was eight to one and then the very last race and he was 23 to one. So
0: mm.
1: I was, I was kind of around it all day. I mean, I think the first selection that people saw me make <laughs> was a 38 to one shot that ended up finishing third. But I, I kind of, you know, I didn't purposely do that. It just kind of came out that way. Yes. Um. But you know, I, I, I also didn't want, you know, just to to parade chalk out there just to say, you know, oh, I had the on top winner. And I and I think one of the races I kind of prefaced that. Yeah. Um I'll be honest, Barry.
0: Yeah. Nobody nobody remembers when you pick eight to five shots that win.
1: No, no, they definitely don't. You know what
0: people remember? People remember the twelfth race. They remember when you get oh, out forty five dollar horses. Yeah, that was the bailout for sure. Um I mean you was- even you even got Jose Ortiz to pull his horse up too. I mean I don't know must have been on that yeah, balcony. They were you know they were that's
1: up. I saw on Twitter.
0: Did you give him the you know the the you know the the throat slash sign? No 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 you know. No good here. Yeah. Maybe that needs new shoes
1: helped. Yeah. That definitely helped because that was that was the horse to beat. I I will say something,
0: man. We're, we're gonna be a big league sport. We we had a a football player accuse Jose Ortiz of of stiffing a horse <laughs> after the race. <laughs> Sean King, Sean King was 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 asking about the stiff job.
1: I I was kind of I was kind of you know I saw that like <laughs> I saw it on Sunday and I was like, what the hell's going on? Because I, I, I went back and I watched the race again, that last race. And I was like, I didn't, I mean, you know, a myriad of things can go wrong during a race that, you know, yeah. they pull up a horse and, and it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, at least as far as I could see.
0: No. Well, he said the horse was getting in real bad and he was losing control of him, And it's just funny. Like you tell people, Hey, listen, if The guy is going to fix a race, he doesn't do it like that. It's not like the movies, <laughs> you know? right? Yeah, It's not John Candy, you know. Uh, what's that? Guy? <laughs> what was that movie? Um, <clears> there <throat> was a the harness movie where the guys were um, um, dragging right. their feet. Uh, yeah,
1: it was Renny Dangerfield, uh, yes. Uh, Frank Popfinger was the guy. <laughs> uh. By the way,
0: there's a big uh, a big promo tomorrow and Wednesday at the Pomp. We have the uh, the Outsiders versus the the hometown guys or whatever they're called. We got a bunch of uh, I think uh, Yannick is here and Andy McCarthy and Dexter Dunn and uh, uh, another big name driver. None of which have ever driven okay. a horse at Pompano ever. Over 0, zero and. On the other side is Dave Miller and uh, Peter Wren, uh, Wally, and uh, I think Kevin Wallace, who combined have driven uh, over fifty thousand times around the track. So,
1: <laughs> only fifty thousand.
0: Yeah, so yeah. It, it'll it'll be a good time. I mean, it's just really getting to the point now where I feel bad for Gabe. I really do That's because. Sweet. Yeah, it's, it's like
1: walking to death's door. It's it's horrible. I mean, this has
0: been this guy's baby for years, and and he did an amazing job. And um, it's just uh, it's just sad that uh, it's. I know what they would say. They 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 would say this, this business. We 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 yeah, we make a little bit of money on that, but we can make a lot of money on this other stuff. So. That's just the way of the world, I, I suppose. And, uh, but it, but it is, it is sad. And I mean, I don't recall living in a world that didn't have a, Pompano Park in the winter time. Even when I was uh, stuck up, upstate New York, as a kid, um, we we'd sometimes see the races from Pompano, and it was like we'd see Hialeah, or we'd see Pompano or we'd see Gulfstream, and it was, it's like man, it was it was like those races were being run on Mars. You (laughs) look outside and you have 12 foot snow banks and, and yes, people, I know that there's probably people that are saying, yeah, that still happens. Um, but, uh, it wasn't like it is now where you can just watch races all the time. Anytime you want. It it was, you know, we get snowed out at Aqueduct or, or Saratoga and then they would show, you know, racing from Florida and, and Pompano was always, the, you know, the winter capital of of harness racing, and I remember the Breeders' Crown was there. Mac Lobel. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's just hard to believe, it's not, it's not a good thing, and it's really not a good thing because this is. Uh, you know, P- Pompano is one of the stronger harness signals. It's doing a million dollars a night. There's not very many out there that do a million dollars a night i think uh mohawk and meadowlands and uh northfield and and forgive me if i'm forgetting someone else but i I don't know that anybody else averages over a million a night and and they're doing it here you know without stakes without no offense but good horses uh with two real drivers and not many frills and uh, it's just kind of a a perfect example of how you can make the most of something and how you can benefit your customers by uh, not overwhelming them overwhelming them with too many pools and and just creating cards that fit as best you can and and then promoting it i mean Pompano's signal is the worst. (laughs) I mean, their their TV signal, it's, it's, it's like you're still back in 1975, but, um, obviously they're not going to buy HD cameras to close the place. But, but, uh, even with, with all those things, it still wound up being, um, a popular signal. And it just shows that if you do everything right and you, you try and, I guess that is something that I really want to stress and that they try Gabe and, and, and the racing office. I mean, they really tried, they tried as hard as they can and, and it worked and, you know, to see it have to shut down is, uh, and believe me, whatever you read about, you know, this is not dead. It's dead. It's not happening. It's over. It's over unless there's someone out there who, who a benefactor who's got I don't know a hundred million dollars that wants to, to to build a a track and, and mattress like, mac yeah let's go uh, let's go. Well, one thing with mattress mac if he did own a track, he he probably I could convince him to put couches and.
1: Oh, he'd do it in a heartbeat. He wouldn't care. That's,
0: that's like my goal in life now is get couches. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um. It's kind of sad but it should be a good time and i mean it, it won't match the the great match race between pete aiello and gabe no just coming in in april which is maybe one of the most legendary nights of horse racing ever but uh we're looking for a sponsor for that for the uh the uh liability insurance
1: <laughs>
0: in case <laughs> <maybe> somebody crashes <laughs> We don't want Pete to, to damage his voice box.
1: Grab some NFTs. <laughs> oh um, man! Easy Money was the name of the movie.
0: Easy Money. That's right. Nineteen eighty-three.
1: Yes. Yeah. When the guys were dragging
0: their feet to slow the horses down.
1: Yeah, and Joe Pesci jumped over the yeah the wall. God, those movies are so stupid, but they're so funny, and still remember them now. It's like the one I saw. I think it was it was yesterday, was it? Yeah, it was yesterday morning. It was um, the long shot, Tim Conway. Yeah,
0: Tim Conway. The first couple of years at the Breeders' Cup did did a couple
1: like yeah, these. Dwarf. He was the dwarf. Dwarf. Yeah, was... I remember that.
0: Yeah, he did a couple. Well, it was it two, three, four years? I think. But uh, which they would never do that now. We we have Johnny Weir now, but we can't have a dwarf.
1: Hmm.
0: but i i did want to say that um i thought you did great on saturday and uh, i think the feedback that you got that's positive is is not just people blowing you up i think i think they really felt you did a good job because honestly if, if i hadn't just tuned in and listened to the you know their voice on uh on the signal it, it sounded like you did it all the time and for someone who doesn't that's it's not an easy an easy task uh, sure i'm sure.
1: yeah well that's what that's kind of what, what i was worried about i didn't you know i <laughs> i wanted to make it as smooth as possible to where people could understand what i was saying and you know get the point across without talking too much so i, I know next time what the plan is is to um get more, you know, paddock looks as far as how they look in the paddock, things like that, who looks good coming in. That kind of thing. We're gonna work that in there. Don't be too critical. Nope. No, I'm not I'm never too critical. Especially when it comes to that stuff. Because it's all relative. I mean Be critical, man. Don't worry about there it. There was one horse I saw that it could have gone either way because he did look good but he was on the borderline of freaking out. And I think he did ended up overdoing it. (laughs) Yeah, I mentioned it and the horse, you know, stopped and popped, you know, just, just went out there and just ran really fast for about a quarter mile and just gassed. I didn't really like the horse anyway, but still, you know, it was one of those kind of things. So, you know, it was just like, well, I guess it's a 50-50 sort of thing anyway. But, um, yeah, it was a fun day despite the the terrible weather. And everybody at Tampa was great. I mean, top to bottom. I mean, everybody I met that worked there, plus the people um, that I met for the first time, you know, that were coming through as far as jockeys, trainers, horse players, mostly. Um, But it was a really fun day. Everybody had fun. Uh, The only thing that didn't cooperate was the weather. And it kind of got better as the day went on, but it was still chilly. Uh, But the sun came out, and it was... ended up being pretty decent. So, I had a good day. It was definitely one to remember, at least for me. (laughs) And probably anybody that uh, that bet Classic Causeway, maybe. Well... I mean... It wasn't exactly a... uh... I don't understand how that horse breaks like that every time, or at least the last two times. That's, I, that can happen every time.
0: He does break sharp.
1: It's unbelievable. Like the If you go back and watch his last two races in the Sam Davis and then the Tampa Bay Derby and how that horse broke, it's almost impossible for him to do that anymore, I think.
0: He, he does break sharp.
1: You know, one thing about horses that break sharp, they
0: usually keep breaking sharp, and horses that don't break sharp usually yeah, don't keep breaking true. sharp. And 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 it, it does help in uh, sorting yourself out in a twenty horse field. You Look at Rocky World last year. Uh, I mean, he he was
1: done from the get go. It was over. Yeah, he didn't even have get a shot.
0: Nope, Not he never, never had a shot. And and that's that's one of the things that I was talking about today. Um. I kind of was going through, you know, the derby list and one of the factors that we can't predict at this point, we don't know anything. I mean, we don't, I mean, we don't even know who's going to be in the derby at this point. There's still a long ways away. There's 53 days, right? It'll be 52 days tomorrow and a lot can happen in 52 days. We've seen a lot of horses drop out at the end of the derby trail. Uh, And I think that, we might wind up seeing more than than we used to because uh, guys aren't really going to be able to push the envelope uh, like they did before, and that's probably a good thing. I mean, more oversight and 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 uh, not letting you know things slide is is, is a good thing. But um, I think that you're going to see a lot of horses that are these lightly raced horses fall by the wayside because that's that's always been the case um the lightly raced ones are the ones that usually you know don't make it uh, but that being said when you have uh, quite a few horses that want to be on the lead or even the ones that maybe can rate a little bit if they draw post 2 they're not rating right you're not going <laughs> to rate from post 2 because I will let those 12 go by I me mean, and you know that's not going to happen they're going to be sending i mean i think that one of the critical factors for medina spirit last year winning the race and i know right i know but um finishing first was he was drawn inside most of the other good speed horses and as such was able to save ground on both turns and not be three or four wide uh, like like some of the other ones and saving ground probably won him the race and that was just because where he was drawn, he was drawn inside the other speed horses. So these are things like you can't really handicap this race at this point. And betting futures or, or betting the the Derby future pool, it's it's a crapshoot, and you're just well, looking for value, and there's just not very much value to be found. Um, like Classic Causeway, when I bet him, and this is not a humble brag, but when I bet him at at fifty five to one, that was a good price. <clears throat> But also that was a long time ago, and a lot of stuff had to go right. Betting him at ten to one now is a bad price. He, if he runs in the Bluegrass and and finishes third, he, he's going to be longer than ten to one, anyways. Right. And it sounds like he is going to run the Bluegrass, and, and, that, and I think that's a, a big factor to, uh, in, in giving him a chance. But when you look at Classic Causeway, is is like you said, bolting to the lead. Epicenter has has been very, very sharp. Um, Simplification is a speed horse. I know he is braided a little bit, but again, if he draws the inside, he's inside seven other speed horses. I don't think he's going to take back to ninth and take his chances. I think he's going to send them and then try to sort it out. Um, Forbidden Kingdom. I mean, Forbidden Kingdom runs like a sprinter stretching out. He doesn't run like a root horse. He runs like a sprinter stretching out. Uh, Morello has been running in these sprints and he's laying right up off close to pace. Yes. He, he, he can probably rate a little bit again, but if, if he gets the the position proper, up another one, right. If, if he gets the place, you know, the position to rate um, it, it just uh White a Barrio who, who, who did win on the lead last time. And, and, I know Emily was saying, well, you know, he doesn't have to be in the lead. Well, he doesn't have to be in the lead, but remember one thing, the, the, the people went on the lead, know what they're going to try to do. They're going to go back to the lead. And if he draws the inside, he's not going to just let everybody pass. So um, there's a lot of speed and early voting. I mean, early voting, his time looks a little bit slow because they're running on the, you know, the quicksand, but he you know, 48 half going a mile and an eighth at Aqueduct in the winter time is like a 45 half somewhere else. So he's another pace factor. So it's, if everyone stays together and, and they all wind up, you know, getting in the, in the, in the gate on the first Saturday in May, we are likely to see a rapid pace, a very rapid pace. And, uh, I'm okay with that. And that's, you know, that that's not even talking about, you know, what Messier is going to do. Since We don't know. I mean, Messier can rate a little bit. I mean, he, he actually beat forbidden kingdom and back at Delmar and the Bob hope, um, when forbidden kingdom stumbled coming out of the gate and then just like took off and went 43 and one to the half verified by Craig, by the way, for to 43 and one, um, he said it might have been a forty-three and two, but it was super fast. I don't know what Messier's what the deal is. I don't know what sort of. Uh, none of us really know what the hell, next seven weeks or what, what's gonna, what's gonna, play out. I mean, we can speculate, but we don't even know if Messier is gonna. In the field and and I, and I didn't include i mean i didn't include him on the list i did include him on the bottom just as a comment uh, because i just don't know what uh what's going to happen with him and messier versus forbidden kingdom in the Santa anita derby is actually a pretty interesting race yeah even if messier can't go on it still is an interesting race because he has beat him his only start and forbidden kingdom is probably a little better horse than he was last time, and uh, it's uh there's a lot of horses on points
1: yeah i I don't even know what to make of the forbidden kingdom race still <laughs> i mean i i to like it, but i i I just feel that I can't all right man, let's do this the sports talk
0: radio. We're going to do a sports talk radio segment. Okay. I'm going to give you a horse's name and I want you to give me your thoughts on the horse. Okay. In, In terms of the Kentucky Derby only and the horse's chance to win the Kentucky Derby, not if he's a great horse, not if he's going to wind up being the Belmont winner, not if he's, um, you know, going to be better doing on the grass, your feelings about the horse. Um, and i'll 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 just i'll just throw names at you and i won't do them in any particular order okay um and i just want you get to give me your your uh your quick take on them and and uh if i have anything that's completely different or uh, i'll i'll uh i'll just say what i wrote on the uh uh-huh. on the list and if if you're looking for the list it is at uh goingincirclesdigest.substack.com uh, you can look under the heading, Who Leaves the 2022 Derby Trail? All right, well, let's start with the horse you just were talking about, Forbidden Kingdom.
1: I don't know what to make of him other than the fact that I believe in my heart of hearts that that horse can't get him out in the quarter. And it's going to be tough to take that horse outside of California. <laughs> which happens a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, he he ran a big figure last time. He ran a 2 and a quarter on the sheets, the throw graphs, That's awesome. which was a big move up from what he had been running, which was solid sixes. Um but you're you're right about the 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 pedigree. Um he, he's out of a five-star day mare that was a sprinter, and most of the most of the family, the media families not ten furlong type horses. He is, he is a really good horse, and uh, I think that the style, right style, is going to
1: potentially be an, an issue for him. Well, yeah, because if 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 he ha- if he runs a two off of that last race, he's going to have to do the same thing. <laughs> I couldn't foresee him doing anything other than what he did to run that fast. Yeah, I mean you think right
0: he, he just doesn't regardless of who Baffert throws in there, because Baffert the other day tried to run with him. He he put the um the horse that Mike Smith was, was the was riding, the one that broke his maiden but didn't get a huge number. Uh, I mean he chased him, but he chased him to about midway down the backside and he'd had enough. Yeah. He threw it out. <laughs> the Forbidden Kingdom just I mean, he just opened up. Looked like a, it was like a spend a buck type uh of remember Spend Buck in the derby when when eternal prince broke bad and spend the buck
1: was that me
0: yep on eternal prince and he had the inside i think it was too and spend the buck broke sharp and opened up and i mean the race was over it was yeah, over, later it was yeah. over a quarter mile in
1: i remember i taped that one on a on, uh, betamax tape and i watched it over and over again and it still pissed me off every time i was like how does nobody run with this horse that's what i kept I saying a, I, I was like big bet on like you know like 10 years old at the time i think like, he was like 5 to 1 and I, I i made a big bet on him that day i was like how does nobody run with that horse how
0: i think i don't i don't remember my reasoning but he had run i remember he had run at garden state and he had run like some ridiculously fast mile on an eighth like one forty five and four <laughs> it was like just insanely fast and and I, I really wish I could go back and, and find out if, if that time was right because it didn't seem <laughs> like it possibly could be right but uh
1: probably was just looking he, back. he was he was a,
0: a rocket ship but um all right let me throw somebody else out here. okay all right let's let's go let's go to the south what do you think about zandon i
1: don't know he's a he's a a real question mark (laughs) a because i haven't seen him in a while and b um i'm not really sure what what kind of style he has not that he needs a definitive style and it's probably better off that he doesn't have one but i'm not sure he's he's fast enough that's really my issue with him I'm not really sure, and and I think he needs to improve, but I don't know if there's time for him to do that.
0: Well, I mean, my comment was no horse in history has ever overcome
1: such a modest schedule, but his
0: trainer seems determined to try to continue down the light path at the Derby. And you know, if it's ever going to be done, it'll be it'll be Chad Brown because he keeps trying it over and over with really good horses. Xandon's run three times; he's got six and a half, four and a half, two and a half. But he also needs 60 days in between races. And the Kentucky Derby is not usually won by a horse that really thrives on needing 60 days between races. Right. Um, And you go back to, like, what you said. What's his style? Where is he going to lay? Is he going to be able to overcome uh, traffic if he's sitting 15th? Is he going to be able to weave in and out and then go seven wide and then still have enough kick left to go a mile and a quarter? I don't
1: know. Well, that's another factor about running your horse often is you get those kind of questions answered, and you find out about your horse. You know, does he have heart? You know, some horses just they, they get headed and they just stop. Others they they run on. But I don't know if he they know these kind of questions. It's it's really a crapshoot. Not that they're going to have every answer, but you know, it, it would be ideal. I would think uh, to know more than you don't it's it's just tough for me to
0: like a horse that has three races coming into the Kentucky Derby. And one of the races was in October. Right. Um, I think he might be the most talented horse of all of them on ability. I just don't know that
1: he doesn't run enough. It's hard to tell, <laughs> you know,
0: exactly. I, I gave him one star and, and <clears throat> I, I, five stars being the best and one star being um the lowest rated. And most of them got to zero stars. Um, I had no five star horses, I had no four star horses. That's that's my level of confidence in this group. I there just isn't a whole lot to that, that ticks the box, you know, the so to say, like that. Have and that doesn't, and that doesn't mean that like every single horse has got to have the same, pattern. right? They're all but, not going to be perfect. There's just certain things that, that horses need, and, and one is uh, recency, they need to have raced a lot. in... The, the three-year-old year, if they hadn't run much at, at all, two-year-old year, or they need to have a, a a really good two-year-old foundation and a couple really super solid, um, solid races as a three-year-old, but, you know, and none of them eight weeks out that, that was just not going to happen. But uh... all
1: right, let
0: me, let me, let me spin the wheel and come up with somebody else. All right, here's one that, that, um, that kind of was a late bloomer.
1: Uh, ethereal road (laughs) I think you said it all as as an elite bloomer I mean this is nothing to grab onto you know he's okay I'm sure he's going to be a nice horse eventually but I'm not enthused about any any of his his work (laughs) you know I don't know how you get excited about that horse, although he probably fits the profile um, of a horse that will probably run well in the Derby only because of his running style.
0: Yeah, he just is kind of slow. He, he did run really well last time, but even being five wide pretty much the entire race, he got a four thorough graph because it was such a slow race. And it was actually a rare occasion where a horse got three points higher or lower whatever however you want to look at it but he got a four throw graph for the rebel and the winner got a seven <laughs> so that just goes what? to show you how oh, yeah. much ground he lost yeah um but to me he's a horse that that just leapt up out of nowhere and i, I just don't see it i just i just don't yeah, see he's, it
1: you know i mean if, if he's getting good you know if he's starting to get good you know you could see some improvement there and he might he might end up running a better race you know down the road if he gets in the derby field then you know he he could be an outlier but i don't I, I, I think his ceiling no matter what happens is probably like a fourth place finish anyway i don't think he's a threat to win the derby uh, you know, the only thing
0: about a horse like him is is sometimes you get a pace meltdown, right? And he's he and the race up. completely falls apart. And a horse like him, just Giacomo style. Yep, he just comes comes out of the clouds and uh, he stayed out of all the trouble and and just runs them all down.
1: Um, but th- that's for that though. You need a good steering job. That that may um, you know, it's it's hard to bet on that. Yeah. It's Unless you're to... absolutely like totally confident that everybody's going to go gun it to lead, which you might be in this field, but
0: yeah, and again, post
1: position is going to play a big part in in that to see who who gets where. And uh, I've know. always wondered that if you have a horse that's kind of like a closer, where would you ideally want to be? Probably where everybody else wants Probably to be in the middle. I think in the middle, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, being on the inside, you just run that risk of being 20th when people come over on you and, and horses just shuffle you right back. Right. So you that that's the that that's probably you don't want to be inside, inside, though. The new starting gate seems like the, the one and two posts aren't quite as bad as it used to be. But still, it, it's it's physics. Right. The horses are going to be running straight and then they're going to go into a turn. So they're all going to come over. On on you perhaps,
1: but yeah, I I was just thinking, what if what if classic causeway draws the one hole?
0: Right, I mean that those those are in a race with a lot of speed, the post positions are are really going to be a big factor. Cool, go ahead and talk about him. I mean, you brought his name up. Um, what what did you think about the the thought process that maybe, uh, for whatever reason, this race might not have been quite as impressive. As yeah, same
1: you voice. gotta think that because the horse that finished second wasn't that good <laughs> and i think he just tripped out he basically just rode the rail the whole way around you know louis size did a did a hell of a job just keeping the horse in position and you have to you know and and the horse that finished third ship he got an extremely wide trip i mean i i didn't you know and, and I'm not one to be really critical of jockey rides, but I thought that he could have been a little bit more aggressive.
0: At least, yeah, he, I mean, he could have, but he also could have got hung out the drive.
1: Yeah, 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 I mean, it was a tough spot. I but he I, drew outside twice, and that,
0: that's that that was not it even. was the death
1: of, of his right. chances. And game. he's
0: not a real you
1: know, he shown speed way back when,
0: but he, he doesn't seem like no, he I really to wants to be rushed off face on speed.
1: Saturday. I don't think he was he's as speedy as his past performances make him look. <laughs> no, I, I like him though. I I two. coming out of
0: that race, I, I like him and I and I'm happy that he has to run in another prep. I I think that it's going to do- just think Eddie Barker for himself. I mean, he's a 76-year-old guy that's never had a good horse, so you know take 2 months into the derby. Come on Eddie, run him. Run him in the in the wood. You're going to get people looking at you know you're going to get some attention your your horse has got a shot um he's got some he's got plenty of foundation he's he's a pretty good horse he's got decent numbers like like i think it's way better for him to have run third and and have to come back and run in another prep uh, i'm assuming he's going to run him in the wood uh which uh which makes a lot of sense and I mean, he's got a little bit of a funny side vibe to him. That horse, he yeah, yeah. he's you know, funny side didn't win anything uh, as a three-year-old before the Derby. He was second a bunch of times, and this horse has kind of got that—that that he's he's running well, but he's not—he hasn't really just made that big leap forward yet. And and
1: right, I think yeah. it's it's imminent. He's gonna f- he's gonna pop, but I mean, hopefully, it's on the right day.
0: Yeah, uh, I feel a little stupid that I I didn't get more money down on him in the future book yesterday. It was fifty-one to one.
1: Oh man, I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah, that that was really that was Chuck. God, I can't blame the time change, even though I should. But by the time I figured it out, it was already the pool was already closed. Dang it! Um, all right. So we kind of talked about Grantham. I I actually used Grantham in the in that race. I hit the exacta pretty good, and and the super um because of grantham he had a pattern of, of it looked like he was getting ready to run a good race you know improve and he had the rail and i thought that was important in those mile 16th races that there's not a whole lot of stretch um to run to nope. that first turn and you know if you get to save ground both turns you're figuring classic calls is going to get to the lead and i figured he'd be able to stay in that that I figured he'd, he'd lay about fourth and he could just save ground both turns and come up the inside and, and maybe get a piece of the, you know, piece of the money. And he actually, he laid a little bit closer than I thought. And that's probably Louie uh just being aggressive more than anything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he did a good job. I mean, it was, it was almost perfect because it, I think they kind of felt that they were going to concede. <laughs> they could, they conceded the win to classic causeway, especially after he broke that fast. And it was like, Louis just kind of got that pocket trip and, you know, almost like a harness trip.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it really was. It was like, he got the two hole trip and he, he just sat right inside and, and just, uh, uh, oh. You know, he just he just stayed there and and the horse was game. I mean he yeah. he was game in the stretch. He he didn't give up. I mean I I thought I, I thought the nine he, was gonna come back and, and pass him, but he did I did too. I mean it looked like he, he had him, but but he dug in really uh uh and it was a really good call by by our friend Mr. Beam. It was he did he did an excellent job and um Jason did a did a you know great job for uh um I mean you gotta remember this guy was on, uh races out of a shipping container and uh grants pass over at grants pass and now he's he's on national tv he's got andy serling breathing down his neck and um but he did a very very good job yeah and, uh, yeah he's
1: he's he's good he's he's elite he's he's just smooth and and he's very he's very good i mean there's huh. not much to say other than that <laughs> i mean he he's good at he's a he's a very good race caller he's very descriptive and and you can i think that's the the main thing is he you know he doesn't rush any of it and he's just good just plain and simple
0: you know who he reminds me of he reminds me of the guy that calls the races at mohawk ken middleton oh, not okay. his voice per se but his is he's got oh, okay. he's got a lot of the same quips um you know, he, 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 he'll put little things in there and, and after you, when you watch the race over again, you hear him better than when you heard him the first time. But, um, but he, you know, he did a, he did an excellent job and, uh, you know, I thought he ran really well and, uh, he, he actually helped me a lot. With the Super. As a matter of fact, if he, had, if he'd hey, been I able to liked, reach a little bit,
1: of course, I liked in, in the date golden glider that's the horse i liked in the sam davis you know the problem I'm with purple. horses
0: like golden glider are they just get too far behind
1: yep he's too he just doesn't have any speed
0: and he just you know he just gets too far behind and uh it's it's just tough to make up that ground and uh you can do it at woodbine you actually it's it's easier to do to make up that ground at woodbine but uh you know, Giant Game was, he was pretty awful. I, I I don't know. The Breeders' Cup. The Breeders' Cup juvenile jinx is a thing, man. It, it was.
1: Lately, in in last few years, I mean. This
0: this past year. From the court it, year, was awful. That was terrible, right? And this year is not good. I mean, yeah, it's it's, been a, it's been a. And it's not that the horses are just not, you know, winning. They're running terrible. I mean, they're just running terrible. So um major general who uh, was probably the biggest disappointment he stumbled really bad you know he hadn't run in 175 days coming into this race makes sense which is a little unusual for uh pletcher to, to give a horse that much time off especially one that had shown a real promise so i mean i guess something had gone wrong and uh he just stumbled and, and just had no chance after that. And that was that's too bad. But I'm I'm assuming he's off the Derby trail because he he got uh twenty five lengths. So he might be might be back on the shelf. Happy boy Rocket uh had taken some money, but he was really not he he had run, you know, okay in his first two races. But they were were pretty slow. I mean, they weren't. Yeah, I, I he, was. He, he was. He had running. He's running eleven on the graphs, and that's just not going to get it done. I mean, he's got. He had the. He had to really, really move up, and he he just didn't. Um,
1: I was surprised he showed up there. I was like, "This is the spot you want to go." Yeah, but that was pretty. Uh, like I said, I think ship shipstational
0: is, is still a work in progress, and uh, I yeah, mean, you know, I like him. I like it's hard to. It's hard, it's hard not to root for Eddie. Eddie's Eddie's like Cliff Clavin. You know what Cliff Clavin is?
1: Yeah. Cheers. Uh, Come on. Everybody knows his name. That's
0: Eddie. Um all right. This is this one was kind of tough for me. Um, because I kind of thought he was gonna be one of my, you know, was I kind of had my eye on him, and then (laughs) he had a little bit of a detour, and and now I'm I'm kind of down on him. But that's Moe Donegal. Uh
1: yeah, uh, he's he's still a question mark. <laughs> got to see him run. Yeah, he doesn't
0: at... he, he doesn't run very much, and that last race was very known agenda esque, yep. where he just kind of spun his wheels and then finally got going late, and, and maybe he just needs a longer stretch that you know, which is something he would get in in Kentucky. But
1: um... I can't rule him out because I, I think
0: he has talent. You know, he but, hasn't really run a big number either. He's no, I think his biggest thorough graph is a six. Six, yeah, I think I saw that, that. That's not super fast. That's and and he certainly, you know, has I think he's better than that six, but yeah, you, you yeah, certainly think he can get through it. But it's <clears throat> put it this way, uh, and it, and this is something you know one friend of mine got after me a little bit the other day because I said, this crop is really not very good. And I don't know why he took so much offense to it, but (laughs) it's it's just not. And I said, well, listen, last year, the, 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 the leader in the clubhouse was um, essential quality. was running zeros. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Horses were running. uh, 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 The spirit was, was getting beaten. He's running threes, losing running threes solid every time we're having horse we had a horse win a derby prep with a seven you know they're winning with sixes <laughs> and 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 like fives so it's just it's not personal and and yeah they all can develop later in the year and there might still be some really fast horses and i mean uh some of the horses that might be better suited to shorter distances maybe the morellos of the world uh, might be maybe you know this year's jackie's warrior but um this this group is just not particularly fast on the, the sheets, and to me, they're the easiest way to compare years. Um, buyers are a little buyers are tough to compare years because remember, buyer is a raw speed figure. It's adjusted, I guess you could say, but it doesn't take in consideration pace. It doesn't take in consideration trip. It doesn't take in consideration trouble it just is a speed figure and and it, as such it's it's not easy for me to use to compare last year's horses in these particular races versus this year's horses in the, in the particular race so um uh, you know shoot me uh, but i i just don't i mean there's just been so many preps this year that have, have just
1: been slower so simplification well his stock keeps going up (laughs) you know As as the the speed gets signed on and you know horses like epicenter and and classic causeway i mean he he's he seems to have developed a little bit of a style you know that he can mildly come off the pace which is a good thing especially when it looks like there's going to be a ton of speed in this race um I wasn't particularly impressed by either of his races in Florida so far, but they're starting to look better. I don't know what he got on the thoroughgraph though.
0: His last race he got a two and a half and the Mucho Macho Man, he got a two and a half. He, he got, got a five, five and a half and the Holy he's... Bull. The Holy uh, Bull was not a particularly fast race. No.
1: But he dominated. But so, that
0: that was also the Holy Bull was also the race where he fell on his head.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's gotta be, you know, if not, he's, he's probably in the top three choices at this point for me.
0: You know what I like about him? I like the fact that he's kind of grown on me. I I was thinking when uh, coming into the year and even after the mucho macho man, that he was probably more of a middle distance type horse that would appreciate a cutback like Woody Stevens, Alan Jerkins, Pat Day, my, those kind of races. Miler, yeah. Just, uh... But Sano ran him, and he keeps running him. And he found out something about his horse by running him. He found out that the horse doesn't need to be on the lead. And I think that has made him a better horse, and, and I think it gives him a better chance. That being said, he has had problems quite a few times at the gate. Eight, and yeah. that is, we, we've, I mean, we've been spending what 25 minutes talking about how the break and where the speeds are located in the Derby starting gate is going to be a big factor. And that, that's something that, um, you know, may be a factor, uh, but he, he, he just gets the job done all the time. And, and I mean, his numbers are, are good. He's gotten down to where he's running, you know, really representative numbers and, um, I mean, he was nineteen to one to close the pool four, which isn't you know it's not a huge price, but it's it's not it's it's not single digits like
1: some of the other horses. Um, hey, I got fifteen to one on Authentic in that pool, so true. That wasn't like September <laughs> or <laughs>
0: August. <laughs> uh, I'd ask you about Uno Ojo, but there's just really nah you can just there's, there's no point of talking about that horse talk. he he actually closed 36 to 1 i uh, my comment on the sheet was i wouldn't take less than 200 to 1 on him <laughs> you know there was some talk about secret oaths and, and lucas looks like he's going to point her to the, the arkansas derby which number one it's a it's a grade one it's a 1.2 million dollar race and uh, his filly is running one and a half on the thorough graphs, and the horse who just won the rebel won it with a seven. Now weight does matter and it, it is a contributing factor, but that's a big enough spread where I think I could ride secret oath and, and still be able to, to run a better, you know, figure than, than,
1: Uno Ojo. I think Uno ho needs some, Ice cream. Yeah, I
0: yeah. I'll see. Uh, my... Morello. Since we saw <laughs> brought his name up a second ago, what do you, what do you think about Morello?
1: I think Morello is probably a sprint type. That's my take on him. He's 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 definitely a nice horse. I I just I don't think he can stretch out too much further.
0: I just think that he he might be a horse that can stretch out at some point,
1: but relative to the competition.
0: To me, when you're running seven-eighths and a mile, one-turn miles, and we're headed into the last prep and you haven't even run two turns yet. No bueno. Even though you're a talented horse, and he he ran a 2.75, two two and three-quarters in the the Gotham. I think he ran a a one-and-a-half in the the race before that, um, which was a seven-eighths race. The Jimmy Wingfield,
1: yeah, but he crashed um, out. It's like, what are you for, man? This those
0: is... are sprints. Those are one turn races, and he, you know, Jose is kind of. It was funny because on Saturday he he sat real still on Morello as he came through the stretch and didn't make, many, you know, didn't move. And then Sunday he got himself in trouble for doing the same <laughs> thing <laughs> on a filly who decidedly is not Morello. But uh, um, and and there's the segue into that whole situation, like. Why is it so difficult for horse racing organizations or stewards or tracks or whoever to understand that if you just explain things to people that everybody you're you're always going to have the guy what's that guy John from Orange that complains about everything oh that guy who's like totally you know I think David Grunning should get a restraining order but <laughs> you're always going to have one of those people but but who cares about that guy right that guy's a moron it's about Insulting people's intelligence when they say, well, we looked into it and everything's fine. Oh, well, uh, OK, but what happened? Like, w- you know, are you going to tell us why everything's fine or, or what the what the reasoning was, what the excuse was? And I'm fine with them. Uh, I mean, it looks like you just screwed up yeah he, that's, i think that's he was just I... overconfident and he just he just made a mistake and it happens and you know like i'm I'm not gonna throw the book at the guy i just want the stewards to tell me yeah this is what we, this is what we talked about this is what was said this is what the trainer said this is what the other jockey said and um you know we've done a little investigation making sure there was no strange betting patterns and uh, everything's cool. All right, why why not tell us that at once? Why do you come out and say, "Oh yeah, we had a we had a hearing in uh, with Jose and uh, he's he's good to go.
1: No, nothing wrong, nothing else wrong."
0: Well, I think and, uh...
1: part of the problem is, you know, that response makes people think it's like, "Well, if it's behind closed doors they do this, they do that and they don't tell us, what are they hiding?" And I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that you know like conspiracy guy or anything but i certainly can understand why people would think that because of how they handled it if they said like like you were just saying if they said hey you know this is what went down and uh we're done with it people may not but they can't say that they didn't know everything and i think that that would go a long way and and they're not taking that into consideration when they make these decisions um i don't even think they really consider you know the public's interest in it you know it's like they're you know they feel like they're operating in a bubble but you know there's money on the line there's millions of dollars at stake or in play anyway and you know, they just have to be conscious of that. And and, and I think that's where the betters get a little jaded because it feels like we're being left out of that process.
0: I, I agree. And I, sometimes the stewards themselves and, and the racing, the racing officials, the tracks, I think they get to where, okay, uh, it looks suspicious, but we're going to tell you now there was nothing to be suspicious about. That's fine. We're not saying, oh, with a fixed race. But just say what happened. Say, "Hey, listen. He came in. He explained with his situation. This is what he said. This is how he felt. Blah blah blah. We talked. To... Just tell us what happened. Tell us like we're we're twelve. But right. tell us, and we don't need to know every single like uh, uh word that was spoken. Just synopsis. give us a synopsis. He's he 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 mistimed. He the Philly had had." you know, not finished up strong in her last two races. He was trying to get her to finish stronger, and he misjudged the, the, the momentum of the horse that got by him on the outside. Some people aren't going to believe it, but you can't be, you can't worry about those people. It's everybody else. All we want to know is, okay, you did your due diligence. You 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 figured out what's wrong. Just
1: how hard is this?
0: And And don't tell us anything until... You have completed your investigation. Like, don't tell us half. But we still have other stuff to look at. Like, <laughs> just just wait. If the guy's riding the card, well, we'll have figured out that he hasn't been immediately suspended. Right? He's, he's still fulfilling his obligations, his mounts. He's on his mounts. So we know he's not suspended. So just go ahead, finish up, and then put out a statement. It's not hard. It's not hard. And it makes you look better. It makes you look like you're doing your job better, even if it's the same thing. And this is the, the it, it's just the um the simple uh, communication process. Yeah, you know, just, just communicate with people. It, it, they bet a lot of money on your races. Just let them know what happened. And and hey, it's it's good to actually they actually did have a hearing and they did and just ignored the thing and and just make it like just go all the way right. one more step <laughs> take the next step and that's last like, step and it's not like we're asking for a lot <clears throat> just just kind of say you know here it is and, and that's you know and that's
1: that all right
0: smile happy
1: i think smile happy is is still a pretty good contender just because of his running style and again he's been running that's always a factor. Not much, though. He hasn't. No, not much. much but I, he's I, run one time this year. I still think he he's going to be okay.
0: Uh, he only ran twice last year. He's run three times. I mean, to me, that's that's a big
1: negative. And it's it's a minus. But I'm I, skeptical of. Yeah, of, I, of I run happy. At I this point, skeptical. it's hard to see him winning. I could see him running well. Yeah. but I couldn't be like, there's your Derby horse.
0: You know, the funny thing is Kenny is a guy that's been, I mean, look what he did with Swiss Skydiver, right? Brought her all over the country. Never didn't miss a spot. Yeah. Which is a- not a guy that that that's that's that skips spaces that runs his horses twice or three times a year. So the way he's handled his horses on the Triple Crown Trail this year has been a little bit um uh just a little bit odd to me. And and that's not a criticism. It I just thought that Smile Happy being a lightly raced horse that he would have tried to get three starts in, under his belt this year instead of two starts. Um, and maybe there's a reason for that, and he just doesn't want to divulge that either. I mean, there is that that situation. People forget, too, that as a trainer, you can't just tell everybody everything all the time because, number one, some of the stuff you don't exactly know. It's a feeling. It's, it's, it, it's a hunch. And hunches are better off when you keep them under your hat because <laughs> if they don't work out then everyone doesn't second guess you like crazy. um i i would have liked to have seen him run more and i, I i'm a, a little bit questioning you know I, i'm gonna question run happy's getting i always thought run happy's would get a mile and a 16th no problem and under the right scenario with a with a dam that has stamina, no problem going a mile and an eighth. A mile and a quarter? I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah. That was factor number two is the distance. He, he is a fast horse. I mean, he he's run a two and a two and a half on thoroughbreds. Um, but I, I just don't like horses that come from behind that don't have much seasoning because. The Kentucky Derby is unlike anything else you're going to be in. He's going to run in the Risen Star, and there's going to be 10, 11 horses in the race. He's going to run in the Kentucky Derby, there's going to be double that amount. It's going to be two Risen Star fields that he has to navigate through. And it's also a race where you can't do a lot of hesitating. You can't do a lot of uh, uh, second-guessing. You've got to hit the hole when it comes and and get lucky. I mean, let's face it, there's horses... um, in our lifetime that have won because they got lucky. They got through uh my hmm. net bird. Oh man. You know, Burrell just rode the rail. And it's it's a it's a tough race to win because you do need luck. Unless you just, you know, spend a bucket and go wire to wire. Uh but but I mean Smile Happy is six to one. I would book too every sh- single penny of that. That's too short. Every single penny of it. Every single penny. Uh, not not just every dollar, every penny.
1: That's six to one. Six to one is nuts. That's way too low.
0: In due time.
1: Seems, it seems to be a, a, a bit cheap. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Um, although his last race was very good. I liked him. I actually played him that day. Uh, in the Fountain of Youth, he, he ran well. He did show he can handle a little bit of bumping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he played bumping. Uh, thankfully, no one got hurt.
1: But yeah, we wouldn't be joking. He did progress to a six on thoroughgrass. I can see minutes. that, though. yeah I mean, he kind of he kind of just ran on. He, a, he actually
0: got him a good trip. I mean, Paco had had him. He saved ground pretty much the whole way
1: and but i think that was he had I to be yeah him. and pushed out and caused an accident yeah. but um other than that <laughs> i don't think he could have been any other any other trip he doesn't get second in that race yeah, yeah. so I, I i you know my inkling is that he's probably not good enough for the whole shebang bang, and i don't even you know he's definitely not on my radar I, although I did like him Fountain Youth Day just because it was a single race scenario, I don't, I don't think he's a Derby contender by any means. Yeah, I, I I'm in agreement with you there.
0: Uh, Dean's list, I don't think Dean's list is the, I don't think he's going to be continuing on the Derby trail. Uh, Barber Road to me is a horse that made a huge improvement from last fall, and. I just don't think he's got any more improvement left in his tank. Yep. Just... He ran pretty good the other day. I mean, uh, Ray Lou kind of got a little bit trapped at the quarter pole and he wound up getting through and And he was actually making up. A... If the race was another 50 yards, he probably would have won. But um, I just, I mean, that race was just a, such a bad race. I mean, he, he ran a seven and that's just too slow. Um, Papa cap. We should just pop a cap in. No his, thanks. Send him pop back. a cap in him.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. Just send him back west and keep him. I,
0: here's a horse that, that my man Rennie time was, was all over me about this morning. A Barrio? Uh, a Barrio, yeah. Oof.
1: I don't know. I mean.
0: I hate the way he's been trained. I, I hate it. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. I hate the fact that he gave <laughs> him almost a month off. A hard after guy. the Holy Bull, you can't do that. That's not how you win the Kentucky Derby. You win the Kentucky Derby by pressing. you can't just you can't fold.
1: You have to keep on pressing. You know what's the the crazy part about it is he's probably gonna run like really good in the Florida Derby. I hope he does. to throw everybody off, and and that's fine. I'm with you. Like please run good that day because we're gonna be so against you on <laughs> on Derby Day. It's not even gonna be funny. Yeah.
0: I told him I'm gonna call him White Barrio. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where he, that's where he's gonna be headed to the Barrio. Oh man. Uh, Tiz the Bomb is uh, says he's Tiz the Turf Horse. He is pointing to a different type of Derby, the Epson Derby. I'm not really high on him in that race either, but I will give the guys I, I'll give the owners and I'll give McPeak credit for no, lying. So I think the owners are those Phoenix people who were kind of oh, shady. So Yeah. Shady people. you probably don't listen to podcasts. So stop being shady. You screwed over like an entire continent. Uh, rattle and roll. I didn't like him at all. I thought this was a very odd track to run him at because he just, the short stretch with his style of racing, Gulfstream mile and 16th races are very difficult for horses with his racing style. And he didn't really do much running. Um,
1: no layoffs, you know. what I mean, I, I, a lot of layoffs. I can't, I can't endorse the the layoff group, especially first time. You know, going to one different... good race lifetime. Basically, he has the one good race was right, the, and and people were all over for, it. It was like the Keeneland the race.
0: It was at Keeneland. I think sometimes Keeneland you get that Lexingtonian bump, but uh, <laughs> I would, I don't know where he's gonna run him, but I'm guessing the Blue Rest because he ran one race. And his whole career, it was like so far better than everything else he's ever run. Was at Keeneland. so maybe he's going to try to recapture that magic again. But I wouldn't run him back at Goldstream. No, uh, no. a horse that I haven't heard anything about and I can't really find much about is Slow Down Andy. That's Doug O'Neill's horse that uh kind of bombed in the Risen Star from the outside post. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm guessing he's going to run in, in the the Santa Anita Derby. I, I don't even know. I I couldn't find anyone to even say where he was. He was probable.
1: He's missing. Yeah,
0: no thanks. Uh Major General, we talked about him. He's major He, he broke major poor uh dash attack. No no thank you. No thanks. Uh, all right uh here, here's a horse my comment was call me midnight you can call him missing for most of the year since his upset win because he <laughs> just kind of you know he ran ran well and then nothing um he's scheduled to run in the louisiana derby my issue with him is that he
1: skipped the race why would they skip the race
0: i don't know um and uh, you know he has a style where he has to get he has to be lucky and he has to get he's pace to yeah. to run at, and uh Even seems like Epicenter back. is a lot better horse than he yeah. was back then, so yeah, his breeding, too, is a little bit suspect for a mile and a quarter, so uh, he also, you know, he, he improved a lot, Barry, he, he improved a lot from where he was uh in, early in the fall on on his cheat numbers, I mean, he improved like 10 or 12 points, yeah, so but you just wonder, he- how much
1: more does he got to go at this time, right? Well, I mean, is that because of the? I mean, it wasn't a perfect trip, but it was damn near close for what his his style is.
0: Yeah, it just seems and like only the, the horses only have X also. amount of improvement in them, and then they need oh, you know a lot of time before they can get to that next plateau. You know, and
1: right, like you remember last year how Greatest Honor was just passing horses like fast. Yeah, that's not yeah. what this horse was doing. No, he was no. kind of barely winning.
0: <laughs> right, he he was passing tired ones. Yes. Um, what about early voting? And he's another Chad Brown horse that that's extremely talented, but he never runs. Show
1: up. Where is he? Like, I gotta see more than this.
0: He's gonna run in the wood. Um, at least that's the scheduled. Um problem and and he actually has one going you know nine furlongs already but i mean he the wood being i think april 2nd or april 9th um he's gonna leave march with two lifetime races his two he's run twice he's gonna be in april like 30 days before the derby he's got two lifetime races Uh, i I just i don't know like why why. the (laughs) It just seems like he, you know, Chad's got his way of training and he's just not going to change it. Um, and again, maybe it's just hard to believe that because he does this with all his, his young horses. It's just his style.
1: But, yeah, but I, mean, I just don't
0: know that, like, you can, you're really giving yourself the best chance to win when you have two starts at this point in the horse's career with the Derby looming and, and it's just... Uh, and, and, you know, this horse has a style of going to the lead. And then uh, he doesn't much look like he's going to be a horse that can rate a whole lot. Maybe he can, but he, he certainly hasn't given any indication of that. Um, so, again, he's another one that, that's going to be pace compromised. He he seems like he's a good horse. And I, I'm not, I, I know some people have been, oh, my God, the Withers was so much better. No, the Withers horses ran in, in, in relatively slow races. It was a slow race. The horses exited the withers and ran another slow races. <laughs> and just uh, like Grantham probably did a little bit better than he had. But the three year olds; they improve a little bit. Uh, the the Oho horse, he he ran like one uh, one thoroughgraph point better in the wind than he did in, in the the race where he he was he was beat four or five lengths. So I, I'm not I'm not with the withers as some. Wonderful key
1: race. Yeah, It's hard It's hard to gauge those.
0: Preps. Put it this way. If Grantham or Uno Ojo had, had ran against uh, Forbidden Kingdom in uh, Santa Anita, we be wouldn't running. be talking about how wonderful the Withers was because they would have got B-15 lengths.
1: <laughs> They'd still be running. They'd still be running.
0: Uh, Corvus, sir, forget him. Nope. Happy Jack. Nah. Happy, Jack. So Happy Jack was third in, in the, uh, San Felipe because someone had to be third. Oh, Captain, our man, the James Bond of Fazek Tipton, comes up with a horse. I, I said he was inexplicably good in in the Fountain of Youth. Um, he ran massively better than he had. Uh, I, I don't know that he wants to go a mile and a quarter. I don't know that he's going to not, you know, regress after such a big move up. But, uh, Ramiro, you're the man. Um, <laughs> phone's gonna ring. Well, Meryl will probably shoot me with a dart because he's like he's like <laughs> the Colombian James Bond man. He's like He spends all this time in like, like
1: odd job from he the spends God.
0: time in these like Geneva and places, right? Like
1: villain. He's 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 a Bond villain. He's not James Bond. He's the Bond villain. You think well, he's yeah. got the bald head? Odd job.
0: Got the ball head, but I mean, this guy you never know, he's gonna be in South Africa, he's gonna be in South America. He's
1: like, in, uh, Where's Waldo? He, he's in, he gonna show up next,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, Tokyo. I mean, it's, it's like seriously,
1: seriously, uh,
0: command performance,
1: dude. Yo, I have a funny story.
0: Uh, before you say it, I admit it. I have a, I have a, I have a ticket on him in the future book, and I'm thrown it in, in the garbage. It was the first. It was the first uh, pool, by the way, and it was like forty something to one. But that ticket
1: can be deposited right in the garbage. <laughs> Man, that horse looked like the the cinch of all time on paper on Saturday. <laughs> like nobody even ran like a fifty. A Horses six, were running could, like 65 buyers and, and, and 80, 80, whatever <laughs> and an 88 and a 78. Nobody could even touch that. And he just clunked, just didn't run a step. Relatively speaking,
0: I think three times in three separate conversations, I said to three different people, you know, he would be probably be the favorite if you ran him in the Tampa Bay Derby, but he's running him in the main race. Not that I was saying, Oh, bet against them in the main race. And even if I'd bet against him. I probably wouldn't have bet the one who showed speed uh, uh, who had never shown speed, but it was Paco. And, and that's, that's something that is as frustrating as Paco can be um, in many different areas. Sometimes <laughs> a horse like that, he just sits perched up on him and he sends him out of there and, and they just, they get brave
1: and keep going. This is, this is the funny story. Okay. So after that race, um, Someone comes up to me and says, "I love Paco Lopez because whether he's winning or losing, he's always pissing somebody off. So I have to bet him." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so true. And I was like, you know what? That's that's a good way to look at it.
0: That's so true. That is so true. And and I did write the other day. About, I brought a big long dissertation on the Tampa Bay Downs. The Tampa Bay Derby write up about the jockey situation and how, um, you know, we just need to do like better. I mean, we need to have a camera angle that 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 catches.
1: Well, there's no excuse. excuse. No, I
0: mean, we have the technology.
1: No excuse.
0: We don't need to buy, like, the Hubble telescope and spend $12 trillion and have it, you know, circling the Earth. We can buy a stupid uh, drone. I mean, we spend a lot of time with, like, jockey cam, which really doesn't serve any purpose other than to make you dizzy. I mean, after you've seen it a couple times, it's like, okay. No, and And once in a while, uh, like, it was really kind of interesting watching, uh, who was it, Pizza Bianca, Jose Ortiz, in the Breeders' Cup, kind
1: of weaving his way through, but it
0: was fine as a post-race thing.
1: Right. Um, I think the year before there was one with, uh, who was that horse that won? No, the Philly up the inside. Inside, yeah. Um, That was was a great video, but yes, like you said, it's not doing anything, you know, rules wise or, you know, technical.
0: Just take that same camera and put it on a drone.
1: (laughs) That's it. It's, it's, Let's
0: it's, own. it's doable and it, it will make, it will make, it will change the way horses, uh the way the regulation on the racetrack is, is done. And it's going to change it for the better because you're getting the best possible angle, the over the head angle. And sure, there's going to be times when maybe the wind shears it off, or maybe the camera angle isn't perfect, or maybe, um, the, the thing Disengaged. Who the hell knows, right? There's always going to be maybe a technical problem. But for the most part, that's going to be a really good angle because you're going to be able to see everybody. You're not going to have um a view that's distorted by an angle. You're right. You're going and to you see
1: between the people. horses, how close they were, how far apart they were. Right. It it's it's gives you uh,
0: it gives you a very, very good view. And, and that's just something that needs to be done. And the fact of the matter is that. Um giving Paco 14 days, even though he didn't take him down. When you look at the, the, the video that was available, it's hard to take a horse down at a $400,000 Derby point race.
1: When you have no ang- that evidence, right? right? You have no angle. Right.
0: I mean, that evidence was, do I, do I think Paco caused it? Well, yes. I mean, I thought it originally. I thought it when I watched the replay. I thought it when I heard the, the some of the jockeys in the race, you know, claim that same thing. Uh is the 14 days warranted? Yes. Could it be worse? It could be considering how how his his past record. But one of the day the things that we just have to come to a reckoning in this this whole industry with regards to jockeys is that you just have to make these things stronger. The penalties have to be stronger and you have to be on top of them and these guys can all ride straight. They can all Ride races, where I remember when when Jose Santos rode Steinlin, I think it was the nineteen eighty nine turf, the mile. At, I mean, it was the mile.
1: It was at aqueduct, wasn't
0: it? Uh, no, it was a Gulfstream. And, Gulfstream. He, and he made this. That's right. Gulfstream. This, this 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 like he won the race by just going through a hole that just wasn't there, <laughs> and it it was a, a real risk, but. It worked out because he did the whole didn't close off and he got through and, and he wound up winning the race. And, and, and you know, people have said for years that it was one of the all time great moves. I mean, he, he won a race. A lot of times jockeys can lose a race easier than they can win a race. Right. There's opportunities that you can blow a race before that you can actually win the race. And um, but that that kind of move happens like every freaking day now. Every day. And guess what? Most of the time the hole doesn't freaking stay open. And we have more uh, rough riding than we ever did. And And we should have less. We have smaller fields. <laughs> we should have less rough riding. Guys are making more money. They don't actually need them. It's not like the, the some of the topper jockeys are making $20,000, $35,000 a week. And I was never a guy who would, would say, would, would shame anybody for their paycheck. You know what? They deserve every penny of it. But they also, they're not riding for, um, you know, to, to pay their rent or to make a car payment or to, to, to pay for their, their kids' shoes. Guys at the top are doing well, yet they're still taking these chances. And it's it's just, it's not good for them. And it, and it makes it difficult to adjudicate the penalties. It makes it difficult because uh, where do you draw the line? And then you get to where um, they do a little more and they do a little more. And and they're all smart guys and they're all competitive guys. They all want to win. They're trying to win. It's not like they're they're doing that to try to lose. They're trying to win. But um, and I and I'll be the first to say if I if I was a trainer or if I was the connections. Uh, and my horse was coming down the stretch and I was going to get beat and he kind of laid on, you know, laid out a little bit and, and maybe, uh, you know, threw the other guy off stride a little bit and, and we got our head down and and then, you know, we leave it in the hands of the stewards. Sometimes it seems like a flip of a coin, um, I probably would accept that. But the fact of the matter is, it's not good overall. It's not good for for the horse to get bumped. It's not good for the other jockey. It's not good because that little bump becomes a bigger bump, becomes a bigger bump. And if they let it go this time, then they let it go the next time. And then next thing you know, they're not hurting one or two paths. They're hurting four or five paths. And then the guy on the outside is getting mad that the guy on the inside is hurting him. So he herds back. And we don't need more danger on the track. And I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I still certainly don't want to see any horses get hurt or any people get hurt. And at some point, we just have to, like, and not we, because you and I and everyone else listening probably doesn't have much say in this. But there's one thing about stewards, and, and we do get after stewards a lot. There's no <laughs> doubt. They probably all hate us, but that's fine. Well, me, they hate more than you. But um, those guys all work for somebody. Those men and women are employees. None of them is in charge of the Steward Corporation. They work for a racetrack. They work for a state. New York has the weird jockey club thing. But most everyone else works for a racing commission or they work for the state. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say uh, the racing commission slash state or they work for racetrack. It's up to the state commissions and the racetracks to make it a priority to clean up the racing. It's up to them because they've got to back the stewards because if the stewards don't get backed, then I would understand where they're coming from in a lot of ways. Where they would say, hey, listen, we wanted to do this, but, and, and everyone who wants a racetrack, everyone will say, oh, no, we don't really, you know, we don't, that's not true. <laughs> so don't forget that they are employees. So sometimes it's not just... The person that's that's on the front line, it's the person who is employing that person that also needs to have their focus on trying to get uh, something accomplished. And, and that thing accomplished would be just get guys to ride straight. It sounds very simple. If guys ride straight, we have far fewer problems. We have far cleaner races. We have far less inquiries we have far less suspensions and every freaking buddy is happy even pat
1: cummings we won't even have to worry about category one or category two anyway. right you know that that was my kind of issue with that category one categories two stuff because you know it, like you said it, it could all be cleaned up if the writers go straight that would probably be the Easier solution than coming up with alternative rules. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's still about the interpretation of the rules that you have. So even if you change the rules, you still, it's the interpretation of the rules. And sometimes just have a more um, stronger interpretation. All right. We got a couple more horses left. Okay. okay. Manual. Um, you know, Emmanuel actually ran his best race in the Fountain of Youth, but it was a little bit obscured because he just was so wide, and, and he had, a, again, like we talked about four or five different times, an outside post going a mile 16th with a short run to the turn, uh, especially for a horse that had been free running his first two races. It's just
1: very difficult for them horses to get a good trip, and he he was very wide. But My um, thought is that he got a lot out of that race, and I want to see another one my
0: problem with with emmanuel is he has currently has five <laughs> points he has one more shot and um his backs I, against the wall man yeah it's 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 uh no, there's not much time left there's a horse now here here's kind of my my mystery horse and then we'll talk about the zero pointers uh pioneer of medina you know when you look at his record and you can see, he's kind of um, a horse that that I don't think he was particularly well thought of by the barn because couldn't he have been. Of, he kind of ran in all the the B and C level tracks, um, but he kept on running well, and he kept getting faster, he kept getting better. And when you watch, I think that his risen star was really overlooked because everybody coming out of the risen star was very high in epicenter smile and pioneer of medina got beat about a half a length by (laughs) by smile happy and zenden and nobody's talking he he was kind of like doing the the early chasing and and if you look at him watch that race again the risen star at the eighth pole, pioneer of medina looks like he's gonna back through the field and when Zenden comes on his outside, and Smile Happy comes on his inside, he runs again. Yeah, he he picks it up again. He he ran a, a good number. He ran a three in the thoroughbreds. He's got a nice foundation. He he started out last fall, and he's run uh, you know quite a bit. And uh, he he was, and he's another one I screwed up. He was seventy-one to one. Um, and he's probably going to be fifteen to one in, in the Louisiana Derby. But to me, he is a live, live, live horse. I think that race was much, much better than, uh, than it looked on paper, and I would not be shocked if he ran uh, one, two, three in the Louisiana Derby. And if he runs thirty, still might not have enough points to get in. He'll only have, I think, twenty five points, uh, which might get it. I mean, you know, the Baffert horses did eat up a bunch of points this year. <laughs> You know, a lot of them went into the Baffert to uh, point black hole when, when his horses earned points, so maybe it's enough, but uh, to me, he's one that's uh, he's one of the few live long shots left in this uh, potential derby.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I thought the same thing um, that he has potential because of of not only just his style, but I think that um, he's he's he ran a lot better than you know you broke it down a lot better than I did. <laughs> um, he ran a lot better than it appeared, or nobody's talking about him basically. And he and he didn't run a, a bad race at all. I mean, he was right there. You know, things could work out a slightly different way, and he could have finished second. Um, so yeah, he's definitely one you can't toss out. And he has a lot of upside. So you got to figure he's on the radar.
0: Yeah, I think he's, I think he's, you know, he's something, he's a horse that no one's talking about. No one is talking about. Uh, All right. The zero pointers. These horses never every year, every year. Now we get a couple wise guy laid horses. They never work out. Remember uh, materiality. (laughs) People insist on betting them. Charge it was 17 to one. He's 17 to 1. It's March 14th. He's never faced anything but maidens. He's run twice. He's run 5 and 5 and, and 3 quarters in thoroughbreds. If he'd run 0 and 1, you could say, well, maybe this horse maybe. is different. He's not really running any faster than anybody else. And he's 17 to 1. He should be 170 to 1. His odds of making it are very rem- are remote. Another horse. He He's going to show speed in, in another Turby prep with a lot of speed in it um cyber knife
1: <laughs>
0: dud he had one try in a stake and he bombed and he's a quirky horse he kind of runs all over the place he runs in like spots pulls himself up he's running some... he got a perfect trip his last race and they ran a fast figure but I don't see this horse being a Kentucky Derby horse because quirky and Derby and not particularly, you know, he doesn't really have a, a running style that you can say, well, this is what he wants it to do. And he probably wants to lay in that second flight, second flight, but not far from the first flight. So I, I just don't see it. Uh Zozos. <laughs> He's 30 to one. He's by Munnings out of a forestry mare. Nope. I I don't see the mile and a quarter in Mm -hmm. this horse's pedigree. (laughs) I mean, he's got two starts, uh, and he has, you know, won them pretty well, but he's run against maidens and uh, a pretty nondescript field of allowance horses. So I I just don't, uh, I I just can't uh, fathom that any of those horses would have any prayer in a Kentucky Derby. Um, The only Baffert horse I really even made a comment about was Messier, as he is coming off a blowout win. um, and uh, Was that the Robert Lewis? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, All signs are that Baffert is going to remain his trainer and he's going to run him into Santa Anita Derby um, against Forbidden Kingdom. I'm sure Baffert will have... Uh, another horse or two in there as well Uh, maybe doppelganger wharton wharton maybe sure he'll have more than one but um i I don't know how to evaluate a horse that because we've never really had the situation and I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, you got Baffert is actually filed suit against the racing commission, he's filed suit against Churchill Downs, he's gonna have to file probably an injunction to try to run, or his owners, or I, I there's there's so many lawsuits that have to happen. Um, that I, I, I don't have any idea how this is gonna go. So is
1: there any kind of cutoff of where the owners could switch? Well, before the last race. Yeah. I don't know if they can
0: take the horse the day before or when they enter, the day they enter. I I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what the rule is for Churchill Downs. I don't
1: even know if Churchill Downs has an actual stated rule. that You know what I mean? Like have Bob train him up until the last possible moment and then switch to a different trainer so he can get points or whatever. I mean there's been no indication that's going to happen. No I, I don't I, no rumblings no nothing. That... Nothing.
0: So it, it would be very odd for someone to take over the training a week before the Santa Anita Derby um and of course one of the, the the qualifications that Churchill Downs did put down was that the person could not be connected in any way shape or form to Bob Baffert so it's not going to be uh assistant it's probably not going to be uh, well I guess he doesn't really have any any uh, any people out in California that used to work for him but um, I don't know I'm, I'm guessing he's going to run into San Anita Derby with Baffert as the trainer and whatever happens happens but um, I mean certainly Messier would be a factor if he was allowed to race in the Kentucky Derby but
1: Um. I don't know. I, I can't count on that. I mean, as a, as a analyst, better horse player, you can't count on that. No. It's, I mean, uh, all the patience is he's going to stay with Baffert and not run. Right. So, and again, I, 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 I'm not going to put out any,
0: uh, any prognostications on, on legal issues because <laughs> it seems like that we're, we're headed towards, uh, towards that, that, uh, that scenario. Uh, anybody know what Naira's doing? Is Naira going to, you know, do anything, anything with their hearing? Because that was <laughs> like, that, that was getting to be, uh, that's about uh, a month ago, right? More than a month ago. So I don't exactly know what the holdup with them is. Um, But I uh, mean, yeah, not that it really matters. It's not like he's, you know, be, be Running a whole lot of horses in New York at this time right now, anyways. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that the, there was that kind of rush to get that hearing done, and then we had uh, three, four days, and and now uh, nothing. So, All
1: right, no indication of anything on either side. I think what this weekend is it this week? Uh,
0: we have uh, yeah, this week they'll, they're going to have uh, Baffert in and company in front of the judge in Kentucky to uh, asking for the stay. Uh, I will predict it. I I believe he will get a stay from the judge in Kentucky. I I would be very surprised if, if because it is kind of a normal business procedure. So, um, man, if he didn't, I would really throw things into (laughs) disarray. Yeah. You imagine if, if the lawyer or if the judge said, No, you know what, I'm not giving you the stay. You you gotta start doing the days next week and and uh Messier was forced to be switched to someone else and, and he winds up winning <laughs> like a triple crown or oh, something. Oh man <laughs> Oh man, that would be that would be par for the course. like I said I I would imagine that that a judge would be a whole lot more willing to Grant someone a stay. Because, um, you know, a stay is just kind of a... Right, it's kind of routine. It's like a timeout, you know? time out until they get everything sorted out, so... But I guess we'll have that to talk about next week, because we have no derby preps. This is a... Uh, Clean week. This is a, a prepless weekend coming up. We have nothing, and then uh, we have the Risen Star and... The UA Derby though, we've kind of uh, shunned that as a an actual prep, even though they give a hundred points. I mean, no one ever really seems to make any uh, noise out of that race. Right. And uh on Sunday, the fall on the twenty seventh is uh East Sunland Park Derby. It's back. The Sunland Derby. I think they New Mexico Racing went. New Mexico right. Racing did a real number on uh excuse me, COVID did a real number on New Mexico Racing. They they just shut down out there. But um, it's it's back, so I haven't a clue who's racing out there or who's con- who's even pointing
1: yet. To... I think but going to have a couple right. Baffert will probably have somebody at least one. Maybe, maybe that's
0: where uh, Outing Indy is going to show up. Mm. Actually, that's probably the spot. You know, it's probably a better spot than the Santa Anita Derby, which which. Uh, Might get a little heated. That's a good call. Anyways, you know, the one thing about, excuse me, doing the the list was, it was a little tedious, but it's nice to just look at the horses, and uh, it's not like you're handicapping either. You're not really handicapping. It's not a race. But you're just kind of looking at the horse's overall stature, their program, their training, what they've done, where they've gone, where their numbers are, uh, you know what their pedigree looks like, and you know what where their next spot's gonna be, and that's the fun part of horse racing, and it makes all the other crap uh seem even worse because uh you know it's like you had a good day on Saturday, right? It was a really yeah. fun day, and everybody up there had a great day, and that that's the great part of racing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know there's so much negative shit there's so much negative shit in the world. True, um, but uh, you know, the, a good day at the races is is still better than pretty much anywhere else, and and that's the one thing you know you keep coming back to, right? You keep coming back to, a, hey, like looking forward to Saratoga, looking forward to. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Messier race against uh, Forbidden Kingdom, and I, I've been labeled by some of these wackadoodle people as, as like a Baffert hater, and that's <laughs> absolutely not true. I actually respected the, the training job that Bob Baffert has done with a oh, number that's... of horses over the years. Yeah. And I mean I, I've held him up as an example of hey trainers, if you want to win the derby, do this is this how you do it. it. Right. You
1: know, do I don't do.
0: want to hear, oh well, you get fifteen horses, so you... I said, well, Yeah, well, that's fine. Do you want to win the derby or don't you want to win the derby? Because he's showing you how to do it. You know? He's showing you how to do it. And and most of the other trainers don't have him they just for whatever reason haven't um you know, so I'm not, I'm not like you know oh god i hate baffert i hope he gets 90 days so who gives a shit in the <laughs> end it's not gonna change my life one bit you know someone asked me about that yesterday a person who's you know who's a sports fan but not really a big racing person and 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 he said to me, he says, you know, so what's the deal with this Baffert situation? And I kind of cringed. And he's like, no, no, really, well, you know, just I want I want to hear your take. And I and I basically said, you know, in a nutshell, I said, listen, in the end, um, he created a lo- a storm of his own. This is a storm of his own doing, partially because of uh, he's never. You know, he never actually took the steps to get his barn in the uh, the condition it should have been for a person of his stature. There shouldn't have been so many corners cut, so many mistakes made. And then they're mistakes. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I said that he's like, you know, he he committed... The one sin that that the American public doesn't like, and that's hiding behind lawyers. They think guilty people hide behind lawyers, and if he had just come out and and showed some remorse and and you know this country, this society loves a comeback story, and they love to see people uh, get knocked off their perch. And once they get knocked off their perch, they're willing to forgive them if they show the proper penance. Mm-hmm. This isn't my rule. This is the way people are. You can think of it uh, like A-Rod. Right? <laughs> Did anyone ever think A-Rod would be buying NBA teams and, and, and he would be uh, featured uh, on Major League Baseball's coverage and this and that? when when he was out of you know got suspended for a year for for using steroids and the guy was the guy was like one of the best players in the world when he was 18 years old so it's it's just you know Barry Bonds the whole thing and Bonds it, it's like A-Rod kind of said yeah I did it you know I'm an asshole and you know blah 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 and I'll, I'll take my suspension and and then he made a comeback right like,
1: he kept he kept it quiet I mean, and and, and look, look at Barry
0: Bonds he didn't he never ever ever admitted anything doing anything wrong and he he took that approach that you know what screw everybody i don't give a shit and and unfortunately for him his legacy is such that people aren't going to forgive him because he won't right or wrong he won't play the game and that's what baffert did wrong he didn't play the game he just had to say listen Maybe this got into this horse because of this. Maybe it's it's really you know it shouldn't be a positive, but in the end, I am responsible. That's it. I'm embarrassed. I, I, this is you know this is uh, uh, hurting my legacy, and I'm I'm totally like horrified about it, and I'm I'm really I'm going to do the, the I'm, I'm going to take the responsibility. I'm going to do the time, and I'm going to come back and and we're never gonna let this happen again. And you know what? Nobody You're be still,
1: talking about it at this point.
0: You still have the 10 people that are still going to like no matter what he does they are always going to right pay. yeah. You're still going to have those weirdos that like you know <laughs> want to throw red car- roses like you know rose petals when he walks into the paddock. But for the most part everybody else would be like, "No, yeah, you know what? All right, cool. We're good." And he yeah. wouldn't do it. And and that's to me. To me that's the thing that really hurts um It hurts the game because he's a huge figure in the game. He's Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds won't give in. And that's part of Barry Bonds' persona. It's always been. Barry Barry has always been. I I don't know whether he had a here I'm gonna psychoanalyze. He had a tough relationship <laughs> with his dad, you know, or, or what it is. But Barry Bonds was always a guy that, that had a chip on his shoulder, and he never was a likable guy. Plus, he went to Arizona State. I mean, people go to Arizona uh, State generally are not, you know. I mean, no, no, you know, there's a couple, but most of them just aren't, you know. James Harden, he's fat. You know why? Because he's lazy. Because you know why? Because he went to Arizona State. But, <laughs> um, you know, he he he's. He suffers because of his, you know, and and the funny thing was Baffert wasn't like that. People forget Barry when Bob Baffert showed up in this sport, he was like, he was taken, um, he was the guy. The media loved him. I remember. Funny I
1: remember when Thirty Slew's won, how much coverage he got as being the the anti-establishment dude. Like he's he goes against the grain and. You know, I remember the stories. I remember the everything, everything. And then so, it's not to, that way anymore. <laughs>
0: right. To to be like this villain, I just, it to me, it sucks. And uh, even if he won this case, it doesn't matter. I mean, what does it matter? Okay, he's got seven trophies instead of six. He's got a million trophies. This guy's won everything there is to win. I mean, what are you gonna do with trophies? they just sit on a they just sit on a a table and the money the guy made half a million dollars on Saudi Cup day it's, it's not hurting for money but I know for one thing in the near future he can't walk in an East Coast racetrack or a Midwest racetrack and not expect to get some heckling. <laughs> the understatement and and that sucks that that sucks to me. like, I'm not a Bob Pouchett Badford apologist by any means. And like you said, I've been accused of being the opposite. but I think it sucks that a guy whose career has been so spectacular and a and guy came from Nogales, if he I've been to Nogales, both sides, I've been on the American side and on the Mexican side believe me, there are not a lot of people that are rising up from Nogales to become uh, rich and famous or leaders in their industry. There just isn't. Nogales is a little dirty border town. been there are many times because there was a Mexican, an OTB on the Mexican side. And yes, we used to cross the border to go back in the hinterlands when we didn't have the internet or telephones and and we had to do all kinds of crazy stuff like, you know, drive to Mexico to get down on bets. But this is the story that, that shouldn't be, It shouldn't have ended the way it did. But in the end, it's his fault. It's his fault. He could have, all the lawyers don't work, he doesn't work for the lawyers, the lawyers work for him. And the lawyers have aggravated the shit out of everybody. Everybody's sick of them. Sick of them. They're sick of hearing them talk. They're sick of hearing them, like talk down to everybody. That because that's what they do. That, that's what lawyers do. You know, for the most part, that that's what they do. They they tell you how smart they are and how dumb you are. Oh, you're <laughs> you're stupid for believing that. You're dumb. This is not even a per- this rule isn't even. Anyways, that's my that's my soliloquy for this afternoon, then tonight, or whatever the hell. I'm all confused with this time change. <laughs>
1: no, but it's 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 an important point because, like you said, this could have all went away. And, you know, and what happens is the ripple effect from, you know, the lawyers and, and everything. And it's going to drag out and we're going to end up on SNL again. And we're going to end up in negative press in the news. And, you know, this all could have been avoided or a lot of it could have been. If he just would have taken the 90 days and like, all right, man, that's it. No mas. I got it. Got to do better next time or going forward. And I don't even know what happened, but this is just where we are. So we'll we'll fix it and and move on. And I, I think so many less people would be on his case or ranting and raving about it if that happened. But instead you, you created this circus and now it's going to continue to be a circus and puts everything in limbo. Like we don't even know about his horses and the derby points and who's going to show up in the derby. But again, this all could have been avoided or at least a lot of it could have been. It's just, it's just too bad. I mean, you know, when someone's ego gets so inflated that they can't see you know, the forest f- for the trees, you know, kind of thing. It's just like, what are what are you actually trying to accomplish? Are you trying to clear your name, which is not going to happen because you've gone too far for that. So now what's the end game? What are you trying to prove? Because the positives are the positives when it's all said and done. The simplest factor in this whole dilemma is that he got the positive. No matter, you know, whatever lab they tested it twice, three times, whatever, it is what it is. We just have to move on from that because now we're stuck.
0: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good way of putting it. Now we're stuck, and and uh, I mean this this stupid little podcast. How how many hours have we devoted to this, this topic? And, 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 you know, the thing is that it's what people want to talk about. It's people people want to hear. So get more comments on that than, than just about anything. Yeah. And,
1: and, and, and
0: and it's news. I mean, it's news. It it is news and people have, and one of the things that has happened is that people have completely got things mixed up. Uh, You know, they, they didn't realize in some ways that, the Kentucky racing commission and Churchill downs are acting totally separate from each other and both having, you know, they're given their own, um, penalties and he's suing both of them. Uh, not Naira as well. Naira is really not connected to the other ones. uh, I mean, it's just, you know, we we don't have a great clearinghouse in this business to explain situations. (laughs) Uh, so you know, it's left up to people like us, people on the internet, people on Twitter, not Facebook. Facebook is like
1: <laughs> no, but it's it's just yeah. <laughs>
0: you know you what, know, talking to Facebook is. You remember watching Gilligan's Island, yes. and 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 then every once in a while they'd have the headhunters come, and you know they'd always you know kind of like they couldn't under you know they couldn't communicate with them, and they always wanted to try to you know. They'd have Gilligan tied up at the stake. Like, that's what the people on Facebook are like. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no talking sense to them. There's no reasoning with them. The, some of the Facebook, uh, not all of them, some of the groups are fine. But some of those groups, oh, man, they, they are the Wild West. And uh, some of the stuff, it's like just craziness just just nuts you, you'd think it was fictional if you didn't know it was actually true. you'd think it was fictional but uh but no it, it was that hit me this week. I was like, you know, it really sucks because uh-huh. it, it's just um you know like them or not it, it's always good to have I mean truthfully, you turn a sporting event on, and there's two teams that you're pretty much don't give a shit about, right? Seattle Seahawks are playing uh, <laughs> uh, the Arizona Cardinals. No one really cares. Who hates the, either of those two teams, right? No, no one really hates them. Not really, guys. yeah. Well, you watch for a little while, and you turn the channel. But if you're watching, like, the Dallas Cowboys get beat, you're going to watch it longer because – Cowboys-Giants. Yeah, I mean you're you're just like people. People sometimes you need a villain. Sometimes you need a villain. Every every great movie has a villain, right? Every every great rivalry has a a, a good and evil side. That's how it's played. That's how that, that's what we like. We like the 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 good guy and the bad guys. And when the bad guy is not participating, and I'm not talking about bad guys like Vitaly. Vitaly should just be. He should be sent to Gilligan's Island. That's what they should do. <laughs> I'm trained there. But when you take away that, it does take some of the interest away. It does. And uh I don't know. Maybe I'm being sappy, but
1: it's just, uh,
0: you know, the whole thing's just annoying.
1: Yes. I think that's that's a good word because you know, I, I think we're we're worn out, but it keeps getting dragged on and on and it's just it's just not a good look for anybody at this point.
0: No. So,
1: uh what about
0: your uh, your schedule now? Are you going to be doing any more for Tampa Bay this uh, this spring?
1: Yes. On march 27th florida cup day
0: florida cup you're gonna wear a
1: cup the florida cup <laughs> <laughs> oh <on> my head <laughs> yeah
0: a lid <laughs> you no know, hopefully it doesn't rain
1: and there's uh some other stuff i'm working on that that i may show up in prior to that but, you uh-huh. know Well, you can
0: release that information as as it needs to be released. But uh, like I said, man, I was proud of you, and I thought you did a good job and really, really did. uh, You sounded, I guess the best compliment you could give anyone is
1: you sounded like you do this all the time. Well, that was what I was worried about. I didn't want to stumble and be, you know, like, what is this guy talking about?
0: (laughs) Yeah, some guy that turns in. It never turns on Tampa Bay. Probably had two thoughts: Who's this Barry guy, and what (laughs) happened to Grunder? (laughs) You know, I guess Grunder was there, right? The Grund. He was. He was at the.
1: the Someone said he was there. Several TV types and people that have done broadcasting and so on before have told me that it's easier to get a horse racing person to learn the tv side of things than it is for a tv person to learn the horse racing side of things and they said you know what you know what you're doing you know what you're talking about that's 90 percent of it the other stuff you can learn and i've only done it really once i mean you know i did the tvg thing but that was that was way different than doing what i did on saturday um So it was, it, it, you know, as similar as it may look, they were two totally different animals, as far as experiences. Sure, but um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I, I I'd love to do more. So we'll see. We got some stuff cooking. So
0: sounds like a good good thing, man. Uh,
1: someday I'm gonna say, yeah, I
0: know that guy. <laughs> I I remember him when he was just a little a little tyke, and
1: <laughs> and, and he and he witnessed a a uh, a battle at Bruce Room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> saw the battle long of the Ice Cream Sunday and lived to the other side.
1: Come a long way since that day. Funny enough,
0: <laughs> that's true. That's very very true. That was uh what 2018? Yeah. 19? 18, I The year 18. it rained at the Pegasus. Was that 19? It was 19. 19. 19, yeah. Yeah, that was that was talk about a rainy day. <laughs> That's
1: <was, laughs> that an understatement. That was a- Oh man, that was the worst. Well, they, no, no, it wasn't the worst. This year was the worst. It was just cold. I can tolerate the rain because it was at least warm. Yeah. But this was unbearable like. Hopefully we'll get another one like 2020. 2020 was excellent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 2020. The, the Pegasus has been all good good weather days except for the rainy day and the <laughs> cold. The, <laughs> the cold. The, the 100 period park disappointed
1: day. actually that uh our boy wolfie didn't didn't run that great
0: nah he didn't really pick him on top either. he really
1: uh, honestly going on the back side i said man he
0: looks pretty good here he's yeah going pretty was, easy. He, wasn't, he
1: wasn't going that fast i was like
0: but uh well i mean let's face it the tapita is not the the the, the dirt what do i call no. it the uh the natural traditional. dirt
1: traditional <laughs> The traditional, traditional
0: dirt. <laughs> yes uh he's not quite as effective on the traditional dirt the fake dirt he's better at tapioca expert i was grass. really surprised or uh, disappointed with um um the shug horse that that uh, the came that won the races led the three-year-old races last year that came back uh in the oh calendar. great
1: honor yeah he didn't do much running he didn't do anything no, I didn't think he was gonna dynamic one actually ran better than I thought he was gonna.
0: Yeah, Shug well, went up winning the race with his other horse,
1: yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, he was he was a little bit of a disappointment,
0: certainly command performance. Uh, the the, the Chad Brown horse, uh,
1: on the well, oh, the the million dollar horse,
0: he ran, he ran one, two, in both the turf stakes, three year olds and the older Philly races. But uh, I,
1: I will tell you this. There's a lot more to come from that Bleaker Street horse.
0: Yeah, she's pretty good.
1: Yeah, out of nowhere too. I, I mean, uh, if you watch the replay, Hector hit her once on the left side and she just took off and then didn't wasn't fully extended, just totally dominated. Uh, that that's definitely a horse that's that's gonna be a force. I, I i hate to be the guy that's gonna have to tell
0: hector uh hector oh, there's man. this guy coming his name is Pratt. he's a french guy and he'll be riding this from here on and thank you for your service man
1: that's
0: that's because <laughs> that's a really good horse we'll give you a shout out in the eclipse award uh dinner and speech next year <laughs> but uh i think that Pratt guy is gonna probably he can probably take over from here <laughs> That's, that's kind of the other news this week was that the jockeys are all Bannon and ship. Yeah, and, and uh, Respoli and Pratt both going to New York. You have uh, that Giovanni Franco. He's he said he's going to go to Kentucky.
1: So, yeah, well, that's because uh, isn't Gary Stevens got his book? I have no idea. I,
0: I can't keep books. track of who's got whose
1: books. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Gary Stevens got Gio's book. book. But uh, yeah,
0: California and Jeff Mullins.
1: Yep, he's out. Has
0: relocated. Is starting to bring horses down your here. Neighbor. Though I got to be honest, he's not going to be your boy, neighbor. He, yeah. I don't really like him. Um. They're, they're, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he, he might not be thrilled with what he gets this summer here. So that's all I got to say. Is he might have. He might have came one summer too early. He not. He may not be thrilled with uh, this summer's schedule. So that's it's all I'm good. gonna say. But, <laughs> but no, fun. it's it's a uh, it's kind of a. Uh, I mean, going back to what we talked about, you know, earlier today is we don't get more owners. We don't get more horses. You don't get more. You're not gonna get more horses without more owners. So if you don't get more owners and you don't get more horses, places like California and even Florida. Right. So Florida. They haven't been filling races at Gulfstream like they used to. Tampa Bay is, is chipped away. And and the fact is that money is so good everywhere else is chipped away. And um you know with Turfway next year gets on par with the uh the rest of the purse money in, in Kentucky and Oakland extending their meat and giving out big money and with fewer horses to go around. It It's going to be tight. Something's going to have to go. I, I don't, I don't think Gulfstream will be running a five, uh, five race winter meet next year. I think it'll be down to four. I, I just don't think that they're going to have the, uh, the volume of horses anymore. You know, the full crops aren't getting bigger. So it's, a very, it's just very, it's a very racing thing for that not to be like the number one priority, priority for everyone in this business. <clears throat> so, and the skin and the scary things is the people are like, oh, I think it's a good thing. We, we need, we have, we have too much racing. We need less racing. <laughs> yep. Attrition's not good. Yep. yep. Your. Your theory is why we're in this problem as we, you know, one of the problems we are because nowadays there's plenty of other options to fill in the gaps when we don't run.
1: Yeah. Ask, ask the, the, <laughs> the people running the sports books now in, in, uh in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, Barry, it's been real. Totally. This
1: is a long ass. This
0: was, I thought we were going to be short it. tonight. Yeah. I, was... I thought,
1: but you know, we went down the horses we talked about a lot of stuff, but it was good. Needed to.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we'll be back next week. Uh, and, uh, got a couple other things, projects i have been working on, but because of mostly because of my ADD, I haven't really got anything finished yet, but, uh, but we do have some stuff coming for the spring oh so, yeah so once uh once everything is is set up and up and running it'll be it'll be cool that's that's as far as I can tease right now, okay, okay, okay and if you've made it the the hour and forty one minutes or how two hours or however many hours we've been on, you, got thank two. You. you deserve a medal of some sort two twenty yes, this is like right. a triple overtime game. March Madness. Arizona, baby. Ugh. Arizona's good. Holy shit, I didn't even realize. Know, that. They're they were, very good. They got like a bunch of seven-foot guys who can run. Like, I watched them play. I, I, I'll be honest, I don't watch a whole lot of college basketball, but I turned on um, the game on Saturday night, and that is a well-coached team. They don't yeah, make mistakes. They're good, they're good. yeah. This guy, they, they they seem like they hit a home run uh, with Tommy Lloyd. He, he's, they were picked fourth or tied for fourth in the Pac-12. Ended up winning it. Yeah, they're, they're right now the number two seed in the whole thing. So, But they're good. They just don't have a lot of outside shooting. That hurts. But defensively, they are a force. Man. They are a force. So, get them brackets filled out. Immediately. I don't think I've won that since two thousand. I can't remember the year I won a bracket was uh, bracket pool was when Connecticut UConn won, but not with what was that two thousand? No, that was Khalid Elamine. That was in the nineties, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was like ninety six or something. That was that was a long time ago. It's been a dry run. I'm due. I'm due. And you know who I'm
1: picking. So it'll be a popular
0: selection. So it's not not like we're going to
1: be under the radar. No.
0: No, I'll be Chalk City. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anybody have any comments you want to yell at us? Going in circles, podcast at Gmail, or hit us up on Twitter. If y'all really have to, hit us up on Facebook. Um, I have an Instagram account, but I don't really, really know how to use it that much. <laughs> Dude, I spread it around. I even have a Snapchat, but I only talk to chicks on that.
1: Oh, way.
0: No dudes. No dudes on Snapchat.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've ever sent a Snap. I have a Snapchat, but I've never...
0: You don't need to. Bro. I didn't married, want. You're married, and your wife will just absolutely shoot you.
1: No, you know, funny, shoot my, you. My wife and her sister trade snaps all the time.
0: That's yeah, like that's it. why they're they're just. She's trying to lure you in.
1: <laughs> not fall for that shit.
0: No. <laughs> you're way too sharp for that. You're not a Papa Bee's type. You're not going to fall for the the, the low hanging fruit and wind up building a. <laughs> building a, a fort from uh, Ikea or something. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm getting delirious. Alright, man. All right, well, thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Hey guys, I wanted to make you aware of a new company that's out. They're making some really cool apparel and other swag. Fan www.f-a-n-tac, www.fan-tack.com. Check it out. They've created a bunch of logos and stuff for uh, an expanding list of jockeys, and they also are doing some going in circles swag. So if you want any uh, t-shirts or hats, or hoodies, or cell phone covers. Check it out, FANTAC, F-A-N-T-A-C-K. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. They have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees. Your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms' stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the Freshman Stallion of the Year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made a 3-for-3, three three, winning the $400,000 springboard mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacresstallions.com or on Twitter at passtallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we've put out that covers a a wide variety of topics. Uh, Just lately, we've added some guest columnists... Said Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple of weeks back, and Julian Brown has really helped us out with some uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles. And we're going to expand on the handicapping, especially uh, you know with Julian's writing, who who used Julian used to write for American Turf Monthly, um, but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to have, be interested in. And certainly any timely topic is is something that's going to be covered, and uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and and the Triple Crown races. Uh, We also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's... Of a variety of ways. Going in circles podcast at gmail is probably the easiest, and we'll uh, we'll put you out there. And we're not exactly uh, at the distribution point of the New York Times or anything, but we do get a lot of click ons. And if you have something to say, well, we'll help you say it. All right, guys. If you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to uh, read about. Hit me up, goingincirclespodcast.gmail.com, and uh, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.substack.com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys.